modernists who thought Vatican II didn't go far enough. Don't you think you sound a little medieval? My being a modernist has nothing to do with it. I happened to check into the murders, and I checked into the 20-year-old boy who killed his parents and his four brothers and sisters. And when he was at trial, he testified that he heard voices in the house. He heard voices in the house, and the voices told him to do it. Now, I was in the house, and I heard the voices, too. And I also felt a presence in the house. I'm telling you, there was a presence in that house. Half the killers in this country say the same thing. The voices. The voices told me to do it. I heard them, Father. I heard voices. Hello, folks, and welcome to the Sin Beef Podcast, where we can't touch our faces, but we are touching our genitals. I'm one of your hosts, Gary Hill. It was it tonight is Suzanne. Greetings. Jamie's here. How you doing, Jamie? I'm doing well. Cool. Iris is here. How you doing, girl? Iris. <laughs> I'm a she said one. she was ready. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready, damn it. Okay. For Iris. my close up, Mr. DeVille. I, Iris is in the house. That's a that's a full crew, folks, and I always love when that happens. But we have a couple more folks in tow. Mr. Cameron Scott's here. How you doing, sir? I'm doing good, all things considered. Pretty good, pretty good. Cool. And the Lord and Master of the NFW podcast, Mr. Nudie's here. How you doing, sir? Hello, everybody. What's going on? Not too much, man. <laughs> Staying in the house for the most part, you know. Yeah, uh... we're all under quarantine. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But, yeah, we're all here tonight to, to do a big show, I guess, because I'm sure the ladies have a lot to say, and uh, this young have a lot to say. I'm just going to sit here and hold my breath for a while and ask Nudie what he's been watching lately. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I've watched a lot, of, a lot of new stuff. I watched Cupid, <laughs> 2020 movie. It was decent enough, but, you know, low-budget trash. And if it had a better budget, I think it would have been a better movie. Um, I watched The uh, Postcard Killer with Negan, and that one was really good. A nice slow-burn mystery cop movie. Oh, God, it's so many things I've watched. <laughs> like, you ever watch so much stuff you forget what you watched? Uh, oh, all no. the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not really, but I do forget what I watch, though, for sure. It's going to happen tonight. <laughs> yeah, there's just like, so many movies. I watched uh, The Night Clerk with uh, – uh, what the hell is his name? I can't think of the kid's name, but he plays an autistic kid who works at a hotel overnight and he witnesses a murder. But because he was videotaping the rooms, he didn't tell the cops right away and – you know how that goes. <laughs> what, like, so that was another another really cool one there. Video in the rooms, like something pervert or something like that, you know? Well, he he learns because he can't deal with people. That's why he works third shift and he mm-hmm. has a hard time talking to people. So he like watches stuff that goes on in their rooms and then he like talks to the video so he can learn how to talk to people. It's kind of, I don't know. He's got, he's autistic. So he has, that's how he deals with the world, I guess. And Helen Hunt's in it with her uh, Joan Rivers looking face now. Oh damn! <laughs> but yeah, that's pretty much it. I've just been watching a lot of stuff, a lot of repeat views and stuff like that, because you know we're all locked in now. Yeah, uh, Jamie. Oh my. Um, well, did I say last time we recorded that we had gone to see the hunt? I don't think we had at that no, point. No, not yet. No. Um, okay. Well, we went to see the hunt. Before we were, you know, not allowed to go to the movies anymore. And then, which I really liked. And so I know that Universal is releasing it, VOD. And I would encourage everyone to support it because I enjoyed it quite a bit. And it's, there's the, you know, you think you know what it's about. 
it's really not. <laughs> it's it's uh, it's not that. So it's actually really really good at being completely not one way or the other. Like it's not. It's and it's, it's satire and it does not favor one side over the other or anything like that. And then in the end, it ends up not even being about that. And what is her Betty? Betty, I can't remember her name from Glow is the lead. And holy shit, she's just a man. There is this badass fight scene that in my mind, I think it's better than the fight scene from They Live. But it's between her and Hillary Swank. And it goes on forever, and they are just beating the shit out of each other, and it's super fun. So I really, really recommend it. I had a very good time with it. Uh, well, other than that, obviously we haven't seen anything at the theater this weekend or <laughs> this week. But um, other than that, we've just been doing a lot of um, a lot of our collection watching we watched armageddon because of that um we did of course some friday the 13th watching uh, we were up to seven and eight for this every we do about two every friday the 13th that rolls around and we go in order so now we're on seven we did seven and eight which are two of my least favorites i'm so you get the good ones lie. next right yeah uh gets even worse <laughs> um i like those but, movies come on now Seven is not it's it's not egregiously bad. It's just boring. I, I just think it's the the characters, there's so many of them. There's like hundred and seven people and none of them really stand out. There's maybe two of them that stand out at all. And they just there's nothing to them. I don't the characters are just near like nothing. So Eh. Plus, in that one, the kills were neutered. Not the director's fault, but, you know, that's can't help it. That's what we got to watch, and it's just boring. And then in 8, um, I've said this before. People have heard me say this, but it's a, it's a fun little game I like to play whenever I have to watch Jason Takes Manhattan. And uh, that is every time you see Jason peeking around a corner, just go, hello, <laughs> like J.J. Walker. And I guarantee you it makes it much more fun because don't drink, though. Like, you could turn it into a drinking game, but please don't because you will go to the hospital. Because, I mean, like, he is standing and looking and peeking and sneaking up on people. And I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, it's so weird. It's just weird if you really pay attention to uh, Jason's mode of attack in that film. It's bizarre. It's like he's never done that sort of thing before. And it's just I don't need to see him like seriously, like some guy will go walking by a door and then Jason will peek out the door at him. And I'm like, I don't. Why why are we seeing this? This isn't this is not a thing. But anyway, and then, of course, there's the end of that movie, which is just tragic. Oh, yeah. Um. They got that banging song in there, though, that I love so much, you know. I actually do like the, I do like the song. You know, the one that plays when he's in New York, also oh, yeah. plays at the beginning. And then yes. I, I really do like that song. I can't help myself. I think it's catchy. I'm not crazy about the rest of the score. I don't think the score for that film is very good. But, yeah, what are you going to do? It was just, to me, those are the boring ones. And then um, Goes to Hell is just awful. If I had to rank them, my favorites are part two, part five, and Jason X out of all of them. Kinda I really crazy. like Jason X. I, I do. Like I have the most fun with those. 
I think we hit rock bottom when he goes to hell, and then we kind of climbed back out with Jason X. I'm also a Freddy versus Jason fan. I'm fine with that. You do, but my, you do get one of the best Friday the 13th characters ever on Jason Goes to Hell, though, so just throw it out there. That Creighton Duke is amazing, and I'll say it all day long. Oh, <laughs> Lord. That man. He's like, he is like the, the man in black from Halloween. It's on, it's on the list, babe. It's on the list is all I'm going to say about that, you know. For what? For for shows. <laughs> oh, I'm sick that week. So you're not. <laughs> uh, that's about it. Uh, we've been playing a lot of video games since I've had some time at home. So. Cool. Cameron? Oh, God. I haven't been watching very many movies. I've been watching a lot of shows. Uh, my wife and I started watching Hunters and got about eight episodes into that. I haven't haven't seen that. It's not much of the way of action and horror or whatnot, but it's uh, it's a gut punch of a show. Uh, I think that's on Prime or Hulu. I'm not sure. We got all those. But I've uh, been watching that. I've been watching. Um, I started a show called Reprisal. That's on uh, Hulu. It's kind of like if uh, I don't know, like if Quentin Tarantino did a TV show, <laughs> but it's got a lot of uh, Deadwood alumni in it. It's very. Uh, Pulp Dictionary, but and I've just been doing the, the kind of comfort food type showings. I've been, I, I got an extensive laser disc collection, so I've been watching Terminator One and Two, Gremlins One and Two. Uh, we got free HBO for a weekend, so we binge to watch a show called Righteous Gemstones, which really took me by surprise. It yeah, good. that's good. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, Dan, Danny McBride. He, he's my spirit animal. I, I, I dig that guy. Uh, did see the in, Invisible Man about a week and a half ago before uh, the world kind of went shit here, <laughs> and uh, all the theaters closed down. I, I enjoyed it. It wasn't what I was expecting. So as a filmmaker myself, I kind of kind of enjoyed it for surprising the hell out of me. But uh, that's really about it. I've been revisiting some of the Joe Bob stuff on Shutter, but uh, I've been doing a. <laughs> I've been watching as much as I nearly wanted to. I'm sure once the quarantine goes into full effect, I'll be uh, watching a lot more. Joe Bob did a drunken live stream on Friday the 13th. He did part four, which is one of the favorites in our household. And that was pretty fun. Like it wasn't on Shutter; It was on YouTube, just a, like a live stream. And it was, so it was very like homemade. <laughs> but, oh yeah, yeah. It was, it, Joe, Joe Bob was really knocking back the, the bourbon there for a while. Yes, he was. And Darcy was, she was drinking, she was doing shots, but she was also smoking wheat. Like it I was like, oh my God. Oh they, yeah. It wasn't, they were, wasn't being discreet about it at all. No, not, in the, <laughs> not even a little bit. And uh, I, I thought that was very funny though, because they were just torn up by the time it was over. Well, it took him so long at the beginning to even get things rolling right. They were playing the movie so loud you couldn't hear anything anybody was saying. Yeah. <laughs> but it was fun. That was a good way to unwind on Friday the 13th, that was for sure. Yeah, I had a good time with it. Cool, cool. Iris? Uh, well, let's see. I have been kind of like devouring movies and books here lately. Um, I saw both. Well, I saw the, the Nick Cage, Color Out of Space. Had extreme fun with that. And then I watched a German ver- version of The Color of Outer Space 2009. Excellent, excellent movie. I mean, it's in German, <laughs> subtitles read. Um, it was is that the really one good. That, is in, uh, that is black and white? Yes. Yeah. That's, and the only color is the... The color. 
Yes. Yeah. yeah. That is a really, really, really good version of that movie. Excellent, excellent. Um, finally finished uh, chapter two of It. It might not be popular opinion, but I really enjoyed it. Uh, I liked it. Yeah, a lot of people say they didn't, but I really liked it because it, you know, it, people are wrong. <laughs> well, it tied in very well with the first one, so I I enjoyed that. Um, uh, let's see what else have I been watching? Oh, then I've been watching stupid TV. Been watching the uh, Married at First Sight and uh, the other one. What's the other one? Oh, Ninety Day Fiance. Cracks me up every time I watch that. Um, and then there's this one thing on Netflix that we've been watching, and it's kind of interesting because it's pretty much what the wife and I did when we started. It's called uh, Love is Blind. Basically, you talk to a person, you don't, you never see them, but you talk to them for about a week, and then you decide if you like this person or not, are you going to marry them or not? And it was very interesting ride to see this whole process. Um, and the connection they had, a lot of people had the, the the emotional and spiritual connection, but once they started living with each other and all that, just it just kind of like fell apart. But if they were talking to each other, like if they was, you know, like they couldn't see each other, they'd go back into this mode of, oh, wow, we really like each other. So, strange. so you know, I just looked at the wife and said, you know, whenever we get in a fight, we should just go into other rooms and talk to each other. <laughs> But anyway, um, you know what? Uh, I used to do that with Patrick, and it works though, doesn't it? <laughs> it did. It did. Now, and it wasn't even just when we were. It wasn't even when we were fighting necessarily, but it was just like sometimes I just felt it was the weirdest thing because for so many years it was his voice, you know, mm. and then when when you're in person, like your voice is different, you know, it just is. So sometimes I would need to reconnect with what. Yeah, what you sounded like. So I would call him from the other room. He's like, Why are you calling me? I'm like, I need to hear your voice. It's not only that, but I think when you're face to face, you can see if what the words are coming out of the mouth connect with the facial expression and what's behind the eyes, at least for me. And if that doesn't connect, then I know it's a load of bullshit. It's the, uh-huh. it's the Bronx tale, put him in the fucking bathroom theory, isn't it? Come on now, you know. He's <laughs> a mush. But yeah, that's what I've been watching. Uh, let me see what else. And, and I've, I've watched some very interesting documentaries. Oh, I just finished watching the My Amityville Horror with uh, uh, Danny Lutz. And uh, so, yeah, I can't wait to start talking about these movies. Suzanne, what'd you watch? Oh, God, since it's uh, the end of the world, I've been watching some eco-disaster movies. So we started off with Food of the Gods. That is just... Love it. Oh, my God. For my favorite part, I love the wasps. They are just oh. so... <laughs> and, you know, you, can't, you just you can't go wrong with Marjo. Just can't. Nope, 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 nope. And, and then we followed that up with Frogs, which I absolutely love, which it should be oh, more. Sam you know. Elliott. Yeah, Frogs mm-hmm. and Tegus. Mm-hmm. It's such a great movie. Still holds up. Still a just a boatload of fun. It's probably, it's a comfort movie for me. I love it. Rain and Land then, of course. 
Oh yes, <laughs> he is. He's always he always plays such a nice person in damn near every movie he's ever been in, and seeing him play just a cagey old bastard who keeps his family firmly placed underneath his thumb, it just was completely different to see him in a role like that. And of course, had to follow that up with the Andro- the Andromeda Strain, which excellent. That we just happened is, to watch that a couple weeks ago because it was, you know, because it was in our A's. So yeah, we're, it's, we're in the A's now, and it just and I told Brian the other day, I'm like, well, that was that's weird, you know. <laughs> it just sort of fell on that. Oh, and I still love the book. Every couple of years, I'll, I'll just pull out. I've read it so many times, I can read it in a couple of hours. But it just it still just holds up. Mm-hmm. I agree. It's fun, and they that sense of dread. That's what I love. And that's on the list too, by the way. I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah. It is. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, That's not a bad thing. No, no, it's not. I love the science behind that book. I really, really enjoy the science. Oh, Michael Crichton was such a dream. His his bibliographies were thicker than the novels, and it just I have such respect for that. You know, and everyone like not everyone, a lot of people make fun of him, you know, because like, oh you know, because like, yeah, yeah bullshit with the pull of the DNA out of the whatever he made you believe it that's the thing is, yeah. is mm-hmm. he blends science and fiction so incredibly well that you believe it anything he said like one of the scariest books I've ever read was Prey which was all oh about God, yes. oh that was such oh a God, good yes. book such a great book it's so fucking scary and it's all about nanotechnology and it is scary like just straight up scary it's one of the scariest books i've ever read and i i just i love the man because he he taught me more about quantum physics than i have ever learned in school he taught <laughs> with timeline um oh yeah then, that's another good one uh disclosure i love which is kind of like a weird blend of the legal thing and the science thing like it's just he could do anything he could just write about anything and just make it phenomenal so well i loved eaters of the dead because it was just something i just never expected to read from him about the they did they made the movie uh the 13th warrior Mm -hmm. and it was just like i said once again just something different he could write in any genre he decided to write in and he would do enough research into the background where you totally you believed it yep loved it and i've also been doing a I did a whole lot of speed reading for this. Oh my god. I read Burnt Offerings. I read the Amityville Horror. I read a I think about three of my Amityville hoax stories and the one that the lawyer wrote. And yeah, lots and lots of reading on top of that. So I'm gonna be bouncing between movies and books for probably the next month and a half of my life. Yeah, I mean, so my, my, list, my list is very boring because I only did a couple of rewatches, and, and I guess I hate watch because you know, here we are at this day and age. <laughs> I rewatched Encino Man because I made Nudie Plus Plex account and I wanted to watch it, and it's from '92, and you, you realize real fast that you're in 1992 because you know there's certain things and and um, that Deloise kids in that movie and the clothes. And I, I think that Brendan Fraser, you know, shows his his knack for for physical comedy pretty early on with this one, and 
I don't notice it until like I watch it now how good of a how versatile of an actor he can be, you know, in that sense. And I know it's a movie about a caveman, you know, with Sean Aston and Pauly Shore, but it it's, it works for me, you know. It's got that Vince Neil song in it, Suzanne, you know, that happened once once upon a time. Um <laughs> But um yeah, that was the thing. I rewatched no, I watched for the first time because I want to watch something stupid. Um, on Amazon Prime, I watched Kicking It Old School with Jamie Kennedy, and this was um, a first-time watch and probably never again watch because... <laughs> y- y- you know what? It's not that the, the premise was dumb. It's, I mean, basically, if you've ever seen him before, he's he's a breakdancer as a kid who falls off the stage during competition and he hits his head and wakes up in a coma when he's, you know, Jamie Kennedy age, and... He still has that mind of a child and wants to do breakdancing again to save his parents' house. But there's just like a bunch of jokes in there. But even like by like 2000. So they stole the plot from the Brady Bunch movie? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm not saying it's great or anything, but there's a lot of there's a lot of questionable jokes in there that even by like 2003 standards when this movie came out are really, really questionable. Like they, they throw the word fag around a lot and. There's like the same joke about a retarded, like a, a mentally challenged guy, uh, like twice in the movie. Like, yeah, you guys did it once. He came back and did it again. It's like, no. And it's really a fucking shame because um, the choreography in the movie is really great because it's done by uh, Shabadoo, who's Ozone from Breaking. If you guys know who that is, I'm sure you guys do. It's really fun to watch in that sense, but it's, it's just clouded by a bunch of like, you know, insensitive, like, uh, questionable comedy and in parts of it. And, like, yeah, I could do without this, but it's kind of a shame at the same time. <laughs> Speaking of shame, and I knew it was going to be bad when I turned it on, and I said, I'm going to hate watch that Cats movie. And you know what? Oh, God. It just, you know, it starts with somebody throwing Taylor Swift in the garbage, and that was the right move. And, uh, that's fine. And, uh, I will say one thing. I, I, I watched it basically to say, let's see how bad this is, but at the same time, let's see if my, my cousin's children enjoy this because they really enjoy The Greatest Showman and stuff like that. So I think they really dig this, but I didn't need to uh, to watch Cat Rebel Wilson scratching her, her goodie her, her around her goodie bag down there, her cat area, and uh, that was a little weird to watch on screen. When this is a film that was probably made to, to show to... A younger audience. I don't see a grown person want to watch this movie on their own unless they have children present. And uh, I'll say Idris Elba was real cool in this movie. I'll, I'll give him that. But um, yeah, like, I want to know how they got him to do that. I don't know. He's pretty cool in the movie, though. But um, a lot of world-class singers in there. But it's a big old fucking mess. I've never been to the Cats um, play before. I understand it's a big interactive experience. They come out in the crowd and touch in shit, which I would not be into. Cause I'm, it'd be a little fucking strange for me, like the Blue Man Group or something. I was like, I'm not going to that either. But uh, here we are, cats. It's not very good. It deserves a lot of the hate that it got, but it is it is visually stunning. It just doesn't make a lot of sense because they're cats doing weird cat things, but they're people. So I don't I don't understand the 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 appeal of this. But uh, maybe the kids will like it. I'm I'm hoping they do. So I'm I'm gonna get it for them cheap. <laughs> But, um, yeah, it was in our next segment, which I'm sure 
Oh, I, I have to Jamie Jenkins something. Go for it. Oh, God. I haven't done that in a while. But I totally forgot that we watched VFW. And yeah. oh, my God, it's so good. It's so, so good. I got to watch that, too. Stephen Lang is such a badass. And Fred Williamson is to the hell everybody that's in it. It's, it's just an excellent cast. And I, it just it's a great like a uh, assault on precinct 13 style siege movie with a bunch of old veterans just whooping ass. And um, it's just really, really good. I had a good time. A lot of gore, a lot of action and just really well written. Like, I love the characters. So probably best. Of I the highly year recommend now. that. Yeah, I seriously, it is way up there for me. And I'd say probably right now it's sitting at top three, at least. So, yeah, definitely, definitely worth your time. And that's it. Sorry. No, don't, <laughs> don't apologize. You're fine. You know, it's all good. Um, yeah, next segment. The one you guys all know and love. I'm sure we'll hear a lot of, like, stuff about disease and disgusting people in this. Uh, but this is the Beef Bitches and Mashed Potatoes. Okay, who gets the burly uh, beef? I ordered barbecue beef. I think that's mine, but I didn't who order fries. Who gets the barbecue beef? Mine's the deluxe. Okay, who gets the burly beef? I heard that. I'll start with one of our guests, Nudie. What's bugging you, buddy? What's bugging me? Yeah. <laughs> the fucking world. Yeah. <laughs> I what mean, was that, you know? What is, I mean, I got a nice two-week vacation, but it's at the expense of the rest of the world having all these issues right now with the stupid virus. I mean, I would, you know, it's nice to be able to just stay home and relax, but it's, you know, worried about it. Family and friends and everybody else getting this stupid disease and what's going to happen if we don't get paid. Like right now, luckily, my job's paying us for two weeks, but you know, they do not have a great track record with that. So <laughs> who knows Who knows what's going to happen after two weeks? But, you know, other than that, you know, what else can I what else can I say? Just got to worry about that shit and get through that and then life will move on. Right. True, true. Yeah. Jamie? I knew you were coming to me. Sure. Mainly, I just get... I get so irritated with seeing people attack each other over stupid stuff. Just... And I get it. Cabin fever setting in. Stress is setting in. Everyone is freaked out. But people are just going at each other like crazy. And it's... There's a lot of... Me, 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 me. You know, like a lot of, well, you, you, you say this, but think about me. Think about me. Like, you know, people are, have to, people, everyone, everyone is affected in one way or another. Everyone's having a shitty time. No one's having a great time. So just, you think about that. How about that? Whenever you're trying to get everyone to think about you. Why don't you think about the fact that they have their own families to think about? They have other things to think about. You know, people are, they have a lot on their plate. Everyone does. I am fortunate right now in that I'm still working. I don't know for how long, but layoffs came down and I was one of the fortunate ones. So I am, I'm grateful for that. I am. 
I don't know how long it's going to last, but I realize that I'm in a better position than a whole lot of other people. So, you know, I just, I look around and I see the lack of compassion and just the, just the outright selfishness. And I'm just like, stop, just stop, you know, (laughs) just, uh, I mean, in the past, when stuff has happened, I have seen some really miraculous things. I've seen people come together under duress. And I see some of that here, too. Everyone's not being an asshole. But it just it blows my mind, the, the stuff that, that people are doing. And, like, yeah, I'm, I just don't think that this situation gives you an excuse to be a dick. I just don't. And especially when everyone else is having a hard time, too. So let's just settle it down. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. Mm. Cameron. Oh, gosh. With, with everything that's going on with the, the, the virus, uh, they've already hit on a couple of notes. But uh, <laughs> my main beef is, is just got to be the people and their idiotic reactions to everything. It's just it's just like you just said, you know, it's, it's a bunch of me, 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 and this, uh, you know, toilet paper hoarding and this spewing of hatred and this, and I, I, I swear, and this is just a minor, minor beef with this is, is Walmart. We got a local Walmart. I live in a little small podunk town, middle of nowhere, but there's a Walmart about eight miles away. I go there, people just acting like idiots, acting like it's the end of the world. It's a couple of week quarantine. It's not the worst case scenario is you're going to have to put up with your 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 family or whoever you're quarantined with for a couple of weeks. You know, let's uh, suck it up a little. Uh, but at the people at Walmart, I've never seen people just treat each other like they do, pushing people out of the way, run into each other with carts. I'm pretty sure I saw human feces on the floor near that, or it was a brownie, but I wasn't about to stick around and find out. <laughs> just, wow. You know, like literally, as I'm leaving the, the <laughs> checkout area, there, there's what I'm pretty sure was human feces smashed into the floor, and I'm just like, oh, I'm taking a wide berth around this shit. It's literally, baby Ruth. <laughs> yeah, it was baby Ruth. <laughs> uh, that, and if I had a minor quibble, quibble, I'm, I gotta throw it out there. Uh, the Child's Play remake. I've, um, I watched that yesterday, and I'm telling you, I don't think I've been ever so offended by a remake in my life. I, I can't. I just can't. Uh, couldn't do it. Well, if this way, it made for a good killer doll movie. It made for one shitty Chucky slash Child's Play. Uh, I, w- I wouldn't call it a remake, though. I I had fun with it. If I didn't think about it as like you know a remake in per se, you know, I, it was a nice redux. You know. Yeah, I just. Um, Gary, I could... that's the same thing, honey. You're just. <laughs> I'm, I'm putting another word. Leave me alone, okay? Come on. What's wrong with you? I nah, just couldn't couldn't do it. Love you. I hear you. I hear you giggling over there, Iris. <laughs> we love you, Gary. I, no, I yeah. deal with it because I love them. See, Cameron. See, <laughs> love them unconditionally. Things you do for love, right? Yes. <laughs> but yeah, that's my that's the the limit of all my beef today. Um, Iris. Well, let me tell you. I'm sitting here oiling my MP9 shield. Because, you know, you got to just be ready for anything and everything. Oh, my main beef right now is 
just as y'all have been saying, it's just this dumb disease. I mean, oh, people, we just need to be nice to each other. My goodness. You know, in Italy, everybody goes outdoors and sings together. Here, we hoard paper and sell sanitizer for $399 on eBay. I mean, or when fuck? people do sing with people here, everybody yells at them about it. So, <laughs> right? I don't know. That's, 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 that's I only yelled at someone who decided to clear the shelf of hand soap. That's the only time I've raised my voice. Well, she deserved it. Yes. Yeah, she did. See, that's that's the well deserved. But it's just it was her mother. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't mean she doesn't deserve it. I halted the show with that one. <laughs> See now this is what a nice oiled gun sounds like. But anyway, another thing that's kind of like uh, I'm a little pissy of is that my daughter works in the front lines. She's a uh, She's an MA at an urgent care. And she's pregnant. So uh, she went to her OB today because yesterday there were potentially three people that more than likely are going to pop positive for COVID that went to her clinic. And she was there in the front line, because, you know, because she was up at the front desk also. And she got a letter from her OB saying, you know, let's let's put Cassandra away from the front desk and in the back after people have been screened. Well, you know, she talked to her to her super to her lead to her manager and her regional manager and they told her, Well, it's in your job description, so you can either do your job or you can take a leave of absence. Mm. Which oh, no bullshit. Which, of course, means, you know, you do a leave of absence, there's no guarantee you got a job when you come back. So, yeah, that's just something that's got me really pissed off right now because they're, they're, they're having to reuse their PPE because they're, it, you know, there's not enough of it. So <laughs> I'm like, she's taking it to HR, and I told her, honey, if, if that doesn't do it, you know, that, that could be an OSHA issue. So maybe that's where you should start, but... Yeah, that's, that's not why me. the gun oiling is it. <laughs> oh, Jamie, come on, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, you got to do your maintenance on your pieces, or else you know they get cruddy and crummy, and you just gotta, you know, keep them up. But yeah, and I also bought two hundred rounds because you just never know what's gonna happen out here, especially out here in Washington. People are fucking crazy right now. So yeah. That's my beef, that, you know, employers are not taking care of their employees. And of all places, you would think that a healthcare organization would take care of its employees. But, yeah. Get them, Mama Bear, get them. You know, mm -hmm. sons of bitches. <laughs> Suzanne, what about you, babe? Oh, do we have that much time? I don't know. <laughs> really? Let's find out. Let's all hold our breath. Woo. Get ready, everybody. We're on the NFW, see? Nudie's these breaking balls, see? It's all good. <laughs> I forget which show we're on. Say it, Suzanne. Say your biggest beef is nudie right now. <laughs> oh, that's like one of them right now. <laughs> well, and her husband, she thinks she likes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Um, they forced the mandatory closing of bars and restaurants. And you know what? I'm, I'm, I think that's a really good idea. And uh, 
one of my friends has decided to thumb his nose at the whole thing and keep his place open. Uh, and I'm sorry, I think you're just inviting a world of trouble doing that. They found one place open, shut them down immediately, suspended their liquor license for 30 days yeah. with possibly more infractions. But I mean, look how quickly it spread through Italy because they never shut the nightlife down. And the last thing I want to see around here is that same thing happen. So I'm like pretty much I've just decided I'm, you know what, take out and carry out groceries. I'm I'm done. I'm just gonna stay the fuck home. I'm safer here anyway. But just it's just the mass craziness out there. I know I'm gonna have to run out tomorrow and pick up a few things. I've got my dad's hunting knife in my purse. Anyone well, you gets you got to protect yourself because people are being stupid out there. Yeah. If anybody even so much as lays a hand on me, they're going to be missing a finger. We no problem whatsoever doing that. I did see yesterday where an elderly lady was robbed of her groceries. I mean, yeah. come on, man. What the hell? What is wrong with people? Everything is wrong with people now. And, and I think we had this long bitch last week. The, the media is not helping any. No, they're you're not. Supposed to, you're supposed to quell the public panic. And yeah, the, they are up there just screaming at the top of their lungs. And that's not doing anybody any fucking favors. It's we, just... Uh, I, uh, the, 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 op- the openly gay uh, mayor of, of Chicago, they make sure they say that every time sometimes. Uh, Lori <laughs> Lightfoot made, made, sure, made sure how useless she was today at a fucking press conference. So there you go. It's a... Uh, yeah, she shut every all the schools down until the twenty first of April. Yeah, yeah well, uh, here we don't have school. My son's out till the twenty sixth, something like that. Of April, yeah, our schools are shut down. Everything, bars, restaurants, casinos, schools. Yep. Um, I, I saw some pictures today of what Vegas looks like with oh, everything yeah. fucking closed. It, it looks. It's eerie. Terrifying. It's so Omega hard. Man. <laughs> it, oh my God, it is. But like I said, it's just, I, I never thought I would ever see something like this in my lifetime. But here we are. Man. Yeah, my beef is with the Cinnamon Beef Ladies. There's some unruly women, let me tell you right now, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm firing all three of them. I'm looking for new co hosts. You know, come on now. No, they're good. I love them to death. I got nothing to really bitch about. You know, I'm, uh, I'm alive. I uh, haven't got any scuffles with anybody usually uh, in the streets yet. We'll see what happens <laughs> in a week from now. I don't know. Um, grateful for the show. We've been do we've been doing this weekly, and I, I'm I'm grateful that we've been getting on getting on the microphones. And I I said this on Facebook to anybody who's who's listening or looking there that I'm going to make this a sanctuary show. Anybody who wants to come on the show that that's that's bored. I don't care how many folks we have as long as fucking Skype doesn't break. I'll. Uh, I'll have you on, and we'll uh, do it. Here, here. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm cool. Oh, gosh. But yeah, that's about it for this one. But uh, on the show today, we're uh, <laughs> doing two films that involved haunted residents that take possession of um, the, the well, the one's a male and one's a female. So, being burnt offerings from uh, 1976, I think it is, 76? Yep, I think. And, yeah. Uh, Amityville Horror from uh, 
was a 79 or 80. I forget which one. It's very 79. 79. 79. And we're doing that. Uh, we're going to do burnt offerings <laughs> after the trailer. It all began as a summer vacation. A young family found a beautiful old house. It had secluded, spacious grounds, a large swimming pool, magnificent furnishings. So you are the people who want to rent this house. What do you mean it's $900 and then then it's all ours? Well, there is one other thing. It's hardly a catch. They thought it was the answer to their dreams, but it was the beginning of a nightmare. In this old house, up this staircase, behind this locked door, something lives, something strange, something powerful, something evil. Stay away from that door! It will possess this woman. It will destroy this man. It will terrify this child. And no one can stop it. Burnt Offering, starring Karen Black. Have you actually tried to tell me that this house is responsible? Oliver Reed. This house is destroying us. Betty Davis. This house is getting so cold. Burgess Meredith. And this house will be here long, long after you have departed, you believe me? Eileen Heckert. God, when it comes alive, tell them about it. Tell them what it's like. door lies a horror beyond imagination who is it where did it come from what does it want when you find out it will be too late burnt offerings burnt offerings from 1976 uh, your cheap plot synopsis is this. A family moves into a large old mansion that seems to have mysterious and maybe even sinister power over their actions. Well, one of them anyway, really, if you think about it. Well, two. Well, we'll get into it. Uh, the stars, of course, the great Oliver Reed, the always whimsical Karen Black, uh, the somewhat effeminate in this movie, Burgess Meredith. Uh, who else? Yeah. Betty Davis, yeah, of course. Yeah. Don't forget Eileen Hickart. Yeah, that one there, too, yeah. Uh, directed, of course, by Dan Curtis, and uh, so I know Jamie's a fan, and um, there. we'll get right into this right away, and I'll ask one of our guests, uh, Cameron, what did you think of the film, sir? Well, you know, I always find, uh, like, possession flicks and haunted house flicks and whatnot to be a tad bit boring and whatnot. I always think they're a little, uh, uh, a little stale. But I actually kind of like Burnt Offerings. Uh, I think Oliver Reed is just crazy in it. He's absolutely nuts. And I love Dub Taylor. Dub Taylor is the shit. He he is is not in this movie enough. When he was in there at the beginning, I was just like, oh, that's right. Dub Taylor's in this. I'm like, oh, that's right. That's all that we see of him. Uh, I think it builds suspense very well. 
and the house is just beautiful. I'm, I'm a sucker for good architecture and, and good photography too, and, and the house just photographs well. Uh, you know, but it's it's just it, the scene, the very first pool scene where Oliver Reed is with his son, and he, you know, and he almost drowns him. It's always hard for me to watch because, quite frankly, uh, Oliver Reed reminds me a lot of my father. <laughs> and I remember him teaching me to, to sw- swim by throwing me off the boat in the middle of a, a, a lake while we were fishing. And just basically, hey, you're either going to learn to swim or you're going to be sleeping with the fishes. So that scene is always a little hard <laughs> to watch for me. Uh, but in the ending, let's face it, the ending just comes out of nowhere. I mean, it's just uh, with the big reveal at the end, uh, I don't know how, how spoilerific you want to get with it, but uh, just, you know, the, the whole reveal with Karen Black at the end, and then it's very much different from what the book. If anybody hasn't read the book, I recommend reading it. I read it when I was about 18, 19. It's a great book. Uh, but that, that being said, I, I give it about a six and a half, seven out of ten. Premature on that man. Come on, I'm playing. What's that? <laughs> uh, that's fine. I forgot we do that at the end. It's okay. I'll kick it to Iris. Yeah, next. I'll probably I'll probably change my rating by the time I get to the end anyway. Okay. I'll kick it to Iris then. Oh, so this movie. Let me tell you. Um, so I went through the book. I li- I actually listened to it while I was working, and uh, the comparison to the movie, I I I enjoyed it. Um, the pool scene in the in the book is a lot more. Um, I don't know, exciting than in uh, the movie. At least to me, it was. But um, <clears throat> yeah, great movie. Uh, the the I mean, you can't go wrong with the characters and the actors that you have in there. And of course, we cannot forget Anthony James as a chauffeur. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, he always plays those parts mm-hmm. so so well. And I I enjoy just watching this because it, it's a beautiful piece of, of ambiance is basically what I see this and, and you can see the breakdown of the characters as the house starts to get more and more beautiful and of course we have that that wonderful ending I don't like the ending of the book as much as I do the ending in um, I, I don't like the ending of the movie as much as I do the, the, the ending in the book but for the time, 1970, what was it, 76? 76, yeah. For the time, besides the movie Prophecy, you really don't see a kid getting done away with like you do in this one. So, uh, you know, at the end, um, spoilers, but hey, it's 1976, people. If you haven't seen it yet, there's something wrong with you. How do you prevent death? Walk five feet the other way. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Um, Yeah. In in the book, I think the child's death is a lot more because uh, the mother, uh, Marion, runs up to the room and uh, she's banging on the door and she's like, you know, I have nothing else to give. I nothing more to sacrifice. You know, I, I, I can't you can't take anything else away from me. And the door opens and she sees the old lady they connect eyes and all of a sudden the old lady disappears and she sits down in the chair and she is basically the darling from there on um so yeah this this movie uh, i really enjoyed it uh, the first time i got to see this i think i was a little kid in the in a, the back seat 
of a driving of a driving theater with uh, my cousins and uh, I enjoyed it as a kid because I thought it was cool. Uh, but now as an adult that I can appreciate more a Betty Davis scene, especially when the, the scene of pain that she has, like, oh my God, because, you know, you, you could, you hear her bone crack as she's trying to get up. Yeah. You hear that crack and you're like, oh, and just, just her look. And then of course, Oliver Reed, Oliver Reed, um, for me in this movie is the one that sets the tension the whole time. Because if you watch him as you're watching this movie, it's like his facial expressions and everything. It's like, yeah, this is tense. And especially at that scene where his auntie dies and Anthony James, the chauffeur, comes upstairs with this, with the casket and, you know, pushes it out towards them. The look on his face is just so much tension there. It's like, wow. Any time that he would hear that, uh, that model... That Model T Ford, it, it's just his face would completely transform, and you could see that tension. It was palpable; you could feel it. So uh, that's why I think this movie is is just a complete ambiance, and that's what makes this movie that great for me. Cool, cool, Suzanne. Oh my God, I love this movie. I I sped read the book, so it's like there's just a few little points I'm going to bring up, but the two, the movie and the book go hand in hand. I it's I don't know which ending I prefer. I think the the movie is a little bit more extreme. I I think it just everything has gotten so ramped up at that point that you're just almost letting out a breath that it's finally over. And oh what the hell? Okay, I'm sorry. I, Really, my phone just made a noise, and I thought that I lost my connection. My apologies. And, well, basically, it's this. I think the movie is, I mean, throughout the book, you have this little thing with him and the dreams about the driver. But I think the movie makes that even more terrifying. Because those scenes with the chauffeur are just scary as hell. He's got a very sinister smile. Oh, I know. It's it, it is it is still scary. And there's like for me it's like the little subtle things about this movie and what I really truly enjoy. Like with the the character of Marion because it just seems like deep down she she does have have this like little materialistic thread that runs through her and just getting her hands on everything at that house is like the most important thing ever, but then you realize that she was probably just chosen specifically for that. And it's like the subtleties after the kid falls down when they're looking at the house and all of a sudden one of the plants starts to pop up a green shoot. And we can't discount Betty Davis at all because she is just a charmer in this movie. And it just, I love the chemistry between her and Oliver Reed. And you can see that Oliver Reed is the one who's who actually can see everything that's going on where no one else can. And the kid was nowhere near that much of a pain in the ass in the book as he was in the movie. Mm-hmm. I still love it, though. And I, he was such a little bastard. 
His dad is trying to get him away to safety. And he, the kid is just beating on his dad in the car, but driving through a rainstorm. Like I would have right. slapped a, I would have slapped a stupid off that kid. <laughs> your father grabs you in the middle of sleep and pulls you outside in your pajamas in a gigantic rainstorm and says, "Let's go!" And we're leaving mom behind. <laughs> what would you do? To be fair, what would you do? Tried to kill him. I wouldn't want to live, but yeah, I guess that's my problem. He made up after he tried to kill him. I mean, <laughs> oh, Suzanne, you are something. <laughs> What, do am I going to get picked on at everything now? No. Come on. Not you. I just, I'm just saying. This isn't the show to pick on you on. <sighs> I, I guess that's about it. Well, anything else? Go ahead, girl. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no. It's fine. I'm done. Okay. Nudie, go ahead, man. What? God, I'm just kidding, will you? <laughs> I don't know. What can I say that everybody else didn't already say? I mean, this movie, I probably hadn't seen it in 20 years, and it held my attention from the minute it started to the minute it ended. Uh, Oliver Reed is incredible. He probably could have, I don't know what movies came out the same year, but he could have probably got an Oscar nod for this one. He was really good. Like she said, he was very intense, and you could see every emotion through his eyes and his face, and the pure fright whenever he saw that guy and heard that car coming I mean that was just incredible he was just a great actor I thought like, him and the kid had a pretty good him the kid and the, the old lady had a good and, and even when he was trying to drown the kid like when the kid got away from him and smacked him in the face you could see like the, the rage in his face as he was trying to get to the kid and and then after he felt so bad about it and was, uh, the whole thing was just really good like, and the scenes where the house, is, the house was transforming and the old panels were falling off and new ones were showing up and very well done for a 1970s movie cool Jamie well I dearly love it too um, also read the book one thing I have to say about the book is that I feel like in the beginning it takes a really long time to actually get Going, we spend a lot of time in the city before she even goes to look at the house, and yeah. I know, and and I realize that he, you know they're trying to build the to justify her looking in the face of everything that she should notice that's wrong, and deciding to take it anyway. Like so, you know, it is really hot. It's sweltering. It's close. It's you know she's being driven mad by the constant bustling and the noise and the Blah, 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 Bach. the city, you know. Don't forget Bach. Oh, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it makes sense. And, and that, but I just feel like, you know, by the time you actually get to the house, you're like, we get it. I know. You know, she doesn't like it there. She wants to get away. But still, I do really like it. I mean, the book is just a very slow burn. But, you know, that doesn't make it a bad thing. It's just I wish that the, the beginning was trimmed just a little bit. Um, but as far as the movie goes, I love it. I, I love that when it comes to the Betty Davis character that you actually watch her transform, you watch her age as this house is just sucking all of her energy out of her. If you look at her in the very beginning of the movie, she's very vibrant and energetic and she looks much younger. And then by the time it gets to where... She's coming to her end. 
you know, she's barely moving. She's having trouble breathing. She can't, you know, she looks haggard. She looks old. And I love the fact that she even says to herself, like, what is wrong with you? You know, she knows like, this is, this is not me. I am spry. What the hell is wrong with me right now? I love that. The swimming pool scene is incredibly intense, but not only that, the way that it's shot, you are right there in it, but it goes on for an uncomfortably long amount of time. So what I love about it is that they're not afraid to sit on this and let you stew in it and realize just how uncomfortable it makes you feel watching this and watching it so up close. And there's, you know, it's just, it makes you squirm. It you, really does make me, it, it makes me squirm just watching it. You guys read the book now. What's the symbolism of the glasses that he finds? Is there anything in that in the book about that? No. Okay. No, I'm just, just, I'm just curious. For me, I think, I think it's just the, the people that used to be the, the, the two years ago, the people that were there two years ago, it seems like the pool is, where most people meet their end, the the people that are not the darling or the you know that are going to be mother, I think that's where they meet their end because I mean that's how it happened here. It, well, in the book, well, I mean it seemed like when he put them on in the movie that he actually kind of became partially possessed because that's when he went and basically almost tried to drown his kid. Yeah. He did just he, he, he looked through them. You know, in, in a way, not like to put him on his face, but look through them. I thought maybe, you know, because when he when he jumped in the water and went to, down to, to, to the pool floor, he, he picked them up, like kind of like he knew they were down there or something. And I was curious, like the symbolism of that. And I, I wasn't sure if there's anything at all, but it, it seemed like it was something. Oh. I don't know either. Continue, though. I'm sorry, <laughs> Jimmy. Um, no, I don't know. Oh, there are things about this that remind me of Suspiria. Story-wise, not uh, like visually or anything, but it's, I, I just, I like that. I like that someone is chosen. They don't know it. They have no idea what is, you know, awaiting them. And then by the time they realize what's going on, they're already in it. You know, I just, I love that when you can't escape, you know, there is no escape. There's no getting away. You're in it. Um, you mentioned Dan Curtis in the beginning, which typically is an automatic I love this movie if it's directed by Dan Curtis. I absolutely adore him. Uh, but uh, we also have the score by Robert Cobert or Colbert. I'm not sure how he pronounces his name. I've never actually heard anyone say it. I just know that he frequently works with Dan Curtis and I think that they pair together beautifully. I love his music and uh, he's a composer that no one ever really talks about and it's probably because he mostly did TV work and people don't tend to pay attention to that. But I think that his work and Dan Curtis's direction go hand in hand and I love seeing them together. I love the score for this film. I just, I love the look of this film. I love how it has that, uh, that sort of soft focus look at times. It just, God, it makes me so damn happy. Every time I watch it, I'm just so happy. Uh, Anthony James, a couple of people have mentioned him. He is just creepy all the time. And Eileen Heckert, uh, I her, my favorite performance of hers is um, Bad Seed. 
I think she does an incredible job in the bad seed. But one of the first times I ever saw her was in an episode of Tales from the Dark Side. And that was a little bit later than this. So, well, about 10 years later than this. And it's the so anniversary I, dinner. Huh? The anniversary dinner was the episode. Uh, the one I'm thinking of is the box. It's, okay. They, uh, they get a box delivered to them by accident. And turns oh, out it's wrong. It's wrong lady. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and she forgot what I was going to say. Oh, she mesmerized me in that episode. I don't know why. But anyway, when um, then when I saw this and then picked up on who she was, I was just like, oh, my God. Like, I just I like her. No one ever talks about her. I really don't feel like she gets any kind of recognition, but she really is very good. She's very, very good. And um, yeah, I just I love everything about this. And it, that's probably because I fell in love with it early on. I have a soft spot for movies like this. I have a soft spot for Dan Curtis directed films. I, um, yeah, this hits, it just ticks every single box for me and makes me incredibly happy every time I get to watch it. Yeah, I guess it's my turn to, to talk about this movie and I, can I do it, Jamie? Go, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> So um, the the one thing I forgot to say is Karen Black's character. Um, you also see her change how you see De- Betty Davis go from a very spry, older lady to you know her going. You know, it's like what is wrong with you, Elizabeth, as she's going up the stairs because she's getting winded. Um, you see Karen Black or Marion going from you know the housewife with the gloves and things. To becoming almost the lady of the house, yeah. as in you know the she's wearing the cameos. She's got these beautiful Victorian shawls and her hair up in a bun and all. It, it's it, you know you you see that she's becoming a different person and so is the house. So you start to see that tie-in. So I just wanted to bring that up too. Yeah, I think they did a really good job as far as that goes. You know, representing what the house was doing. Karen Black going for that long con. I'm just going to go upstairs and check on the, the missus of the house. And, you know, I kind of knew for the first time I saw this movie ever that something bad was going to happen to, to, to Oliver Reed. I didn't know, again, it's an older movie. He does a swan dive out the window and onto the station wagon, which, you know, is a great big scare for the kid. I love that. Um, uh, one thing uh, nobody has said yet, and I'm going to, I'm going to address the elephant in the room, I guess, that this came before The Shining, the book and the movie, and I think Stephen King owes a lot to Burnt Offerings for The Shining. Oh. Just throw it out there. Anybody agree with me or disagree with me? Or? Oh, actually, oh, I yeah, have I, I, notes about that. Oh, no, nice. I've seen a lot of movies that have used a lot of different things from this movie. I mean, there's The Hearse. I mean, the book The book came first, too, or before yeah. The Shining, four, four years before The Shining, so... I'd imagine. I'm not, I'm not saying he he stole it. You know, that'd be sacrilege or something. But um, definitely certain themes are like you know there there is a, a gender reversal, of course, in which Karen Black's character is being overtaken by, I guess the 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 woman of the house. You know, because I really liked the the ending of you know, oh the estate is nice and beautiful now, yada yada yada, and Burgess Meredith, <laughs> you know, for the for the short time you got to spend with him. You could just tell he was up to something, and like they were just like ignorant oh, yeah. to it, and um, 
<clears throat> pretty great. I never actually seen him with like longer hair like that. I don't know if it was a wig or what was going on, but that was uh, that was a nice change and him just being I I, I want to say slightly effeminate in this movie was it was kind of strange, like he was being southern for being southern or something. It's 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 weird. Um, uh, Betty Davis, the scene where you know just just before Anthony James comes in and thrusts that coffin into that bedroom. The, the look of anguish on her face, it was, man, that's some world-class acting right there, I gotta say, and was really, um, something to behold. Um, what else is there? The kid was fine, he was a little too, a little too smart for his own good, I, I think, because, you know, oh, by the way, Dad, there's something called a cutoff on this sub-pump, and you missed it, by the way, because I'm a fucking mechanical genius, and yada, yada, <laughs> yada, and... It's like shut the fuck up, kid. Somebody else like I got a bitch slap back in '76 for that one. Is the emergency just generator? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this kid knows some shit, y'all. In a, except not to walk five feet away when he sees debris about to fall on his head. That's a that's a dumb kid right there. Really, really dumb. But um, I will agree. I really liked um Oliver's performance. It's really fine. I I think that um. <clears throat> Over the years, all of a sudden, I've seen Karen Black, and not many folks can play whimsical like quite like she can. I've I've seen it in many things, and it's kind of hard to compare. You know that 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 Karen Black glare that I I can't really explain in words, but if you see it, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the house looked great. They they use it in Phantasm as well, which gives it extra points for me. I've seen that in the IMDb notes. Uh, they did. They did uh, film that New York stuff you guys were talking about, but Dan Curtis thought it was extremely boring, so I guess they didn't include it in the film. So I'm guess that that cut footage is is lingering somewhere in somebody's cutting room floor somewhere. Of the well, 15. I think that was an excellent idea because you it might help in the book to give you a sense of who the character is, but you definitely don't need it for the movie. Well, I don't know. Was was like the struggle for with the relationship in that part of the of the story because you got a little bit of it, like they've been distant for a while, and like the one scene by the pool where, where they're talking about they haven't really made love in like thirteen years, and you get the sense that they were having marital problems, and I didn't really get that until that one scene with them together by the pool. You know, in the book, it's really not like that. At least I didn't think so. And that's another scene that I think was done very, very well um, without, you know, making it too creepy. But just, um, you know, two people who just aren't on the same page. And I think it was done very well, especially for a married couple. Well, I think uh, R. Kelly said it best where, you know, the old lady in the attic is telling me no. My body is saying yes, you know, something like that. No, the different, uh, you know, that's a joke that may land with somebody. I don't know. I'm going to leave that joke alone. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to leave that joke alone, man. Um, be Oliver Oliver Reed, for all you ladies out there who love Oliver Reed, you love the look and the, the manliness of him, he does take his shirt off quite a bit in this movie, so... You know, get a towel or something, all you Oliver Reed fanatics out there, you know. <laughs> nice, <laughs> <That's>, uh, real nice. <laughs> he does take his shirt off quite a bit in this movie, so you get shirtless Ali Reed in this movie quite a bit. Um, I often yeah. find him intimidating. Hmm. He intimidates That's what I love about him, though. Me and I said the discussion long ago, we did Tommy review, 
he does this move in Tommy where he's gonna fuck Aunt Margaret, and right before that, he sits on the bed and he cracks his knuckles in such a way that I wish I can do. It's oh, it's God like hand it. over hand, you know. I, I can't right. do it, but uh, I would love to be able to do that, you know, all Ollie Reed style. But I'm not that manly, I guess. But um, but yeah, great. I, I'm with Cameron. I'm not really big on these haunted, like these haunted um, possession type films like this. But this one's good. It keeps her interest from from the beginning to the end. Um, no filler, man. It's all suspense, and I, I I appreciate that in a film like this, and even in the next one we're gonna talk about too. It's just uh, it's all there, and um. And it's almost two hours long. You think you know it being close to two hours, it would there would be some filler in there, but nothing's wasted. So yeah, there's no fluff in this movie. No, there's not. Nothing's wasted yeah. at all. And this is one of those movies that it just it makes me sad when it's over. Like I'm not I'm not waiting for the end. I'm disappointed that it's here. Oh gosh, but yeah, that's a uh, this one. I'm gonna kick it to Iris and ask her anything else you'd like to say about it, and what does she give it one to ten? Um, I don't think I have anything else. You know, ask me a little later. <laughs> Maybe I'll remember that. Uh, no, uh, I'm going to give this a good 8.5 for one of the, you know, haunted possession houses things. Cool. Jamie? I'm going to go a little bit higher and just uh, give it a straight, straight up 9. This is one of my personal favorites. And you know what? If I had, cons- if I had thought about it... Should have paired this with this house with this house possessed. I don't know um, what that movie is. Oh my goodness! God, I haven't seen that movie in. I, I my God, probably since I was a kid. Yeah, I just watched it. Couple, like I dug it up um, from somewhere. I don't even know where I found it, but I dug it up maybe last year and showed it to Brian because he'd never seen it. But um, who is it? It's uh, Parker Stevenson, right? Yeah. I think yep. it's Parker Stevenson plays a rock star who is mm-hmm. uh, needs a like a mental break, so he rents this house, and the house is gorgeous. Holy crap! It's so it's so cool, but um, house has problems. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's possessed, y'all. <laughs> no man, Suzanne. I love this movie, and the one thing I forgot to mention is one of the co-screenwriters was William F. Nolan. And I know we've got readers in here. He's He co-wrote Logan's Run. He did Trilogy of Terror. He's just he's written in every genre. Books, edited, biographies, teleplays. He did The, the Turn of the Screw, which was, she's uh, I want to say like 74, 75 miniseries on ABC which I actually watched a few years ago, and it is still fantastic. But he really, really, really brought the entire novel to life because, I mean, there was very little transition between the two. Like, there are some things that the movie brought out, and there are some subtleties that the movie had. The only thing that I really wish they'd done from the book to the novel was after Anne Elizabeth died. I wanted to see her picture show up. Because in the book, that just made me jump. That was like one of the creepiest things I've ever read. Yeah. Oh, and the door, the, 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 how ornate the door was and how it would change. That would have been cool. Yeah. Like I said, there were just a few, like I said, little subtleties in the book that weren't in the movie and some stuff that the movie brought out that they kind of, like I said, the chauffeur was just terrifying. In the book, it was just, you, you just got this vision of the car, not the driver. So I think I think they did a 
fantastic job with this. I love this movie. This one's like a high. I, I'm even going to go like nine and a half. This is, I revisit this movie at least once a year, but I love haunted house movies. Hey. Whoever got to do nudie. Uh, yeah, this one's an eight out of 10 for me. I'm going to put this in my rotation a lot more now. I'm not going to wait another 20 years before I watch it again. <laughs> I enjoyed the hell out of it. Like Yay. I said, from the minute it started till it ended, I was hooked and and usually I'm fumbling around on my computer or playing a game or whatever. And and I just kept my eyes on that screen and I loved every second of it. it the, the acting is top notch by everyone in this movie. And Karen Black, you could I love watching her anytime she's in anything. So yeah, eight out of ten for me. Yeah, cool. Yeah, um Cameron, negative buddy, I'm sorry. Uh, well, I, I had already jumped the gun in anyway, <laughs> but uh, I'd give it a good solid, you know, seven out of ten. I mean, it, uh, it held my interest much more than any other kind of haunted house possession kind of movie. Um, once again, the performances all around are really great. I mean, uh, Karen Black is amazing. Olive Reed is amazing. Betty Davis is great. One of her last really, really good roles. And again, I got to give it up for Dub Taylor. I love seeing that old old codger in just about anything. But yeah, good seven out of ten. Well, I got to bring this up. I just seen this in the in the in the notes here for IMDb. The haunting flashbacks to Ben Rolfe. Uh, that's our uh, Oliver Reed character about his creepy creepy chauffeur. Were based on actual childhood experience of, of Dan Curtis. Curtis nice. recalls it. Yeah, Curtis recalls a young child being at his mother his own mother's funeral and seeing a chauffeur laughing outside of the funeral parlor which disturbed him deeply. He wrote the memory and into the film, and the chauffeur became uh, the most eerie character. And uh, Betty Davis uh, apparently hated Oliver Reed's guts in the movie. Uh, she called him, and I quote, possibly one of the most loathsome human beings I've ever been to misfortune of meeting. So there's, there's that. Not a nice That thing. is awesome. Well, that is so cool because the chemistry that they have on there, I mean, you can seriously believe that she would call him Benji. Well, that's that's the consummate <laughs> professionalism of you know a veteran actor. Though. Yeah, I guess that is. Wow, she, she got to work who she got to work with, you know. But um, yeah, I'm I'm at I'm at the nine, man. It's it's almost perfect. If the kid wasn't so stupid, it'd be a ten. I'm gonna tell you right now because that kid was extra stupid at the end of that movie. <laughs> Just move five feet, man. That's all I'll say. But then you wouldn't have got the ending you got, you know, which is again the the pictures the pictures on the table, you know. Reminded me so much of, of of Jack being in the picture at the end of The Shining, and I'm not saying I'm not saying he stole it. I'm just saying Stephen King was probably inspired by by reading. I'm sure he read this book, just like John Carpenter saw Westworld when he made Halloween. Okay, just just inspired, you know. And I'd say if Dave Z hasn't seen this movie, watch this because I know Dave Z loves uh, The Shining, and he may love Burnt Offerings if you haven't seen it before. Just uh. Yeah, prove me wrong, Dave Z. Love you, brother. You know, <laughs> there I go starting shit again. But um, <laughs> that's it for this one. Great discussion. Next up, though, we're gonna do the the OG uh, Amityville Horror from 1979. We'll get to that right after the trailer. It's the kind of house they don't build anymore. A relic of a time when the world wasn't in such a hurry when there was still time for a little charm and elegance. It has stood empty for a long while, and at the price, it is a bargain. For a growing young family, it is almost 
too good to be true. What do you think? I love it. James Brolin, Margot Kidder, Rod Steiger, in the Amityville Horror. God's peace in this house. Kathy? Father Delaney, there's something very important. after the Lutz family moved into their dream house. They were running for their lives. What happened to them is an experience in terror you will never forget. And you will believe in the Amityville horror. From the best-selling book that made millions believe in the unbelievable, the Amityville horror. The Amityville Horror, Amityville Horror, and there you go again, from 1979, <laughs> your chief of plot synopsis is this, newlyweds move into a large house where a mass murder was committed and experience strange manifestations which drive them away. This stars, of course, Jesus Christ, James Brolin, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Hella Foxy, Marco Kidder, uh, Rod Steiger, uh, Don Stroud, Everybody's favorite mayor, Murray Hamilton's in this movie. Oh, God. Everybody's favorite mayor. Oh, man. We're, uh, let's just get right into this. Um, Nudie, you're up first, brother. What do you make of this OG classic? Oh, God damn. <laughs> like I said, I never really watched this whole movie all the way through. And I'm, I'm kind of pissed at myself for that. <laughs> I watched both of these movies back to back. And I, like Cameron, am not usually a haunted house fan but i'm kind of turning around on that i've well, been maybe watching a lot because of you never watched the whole movie well i mean talking about other movies but yeah <laughs> lately i've been watching a lot of these haunted haunted mansion and haunted movies and i've been kind of getting into them so maybe as i'm getting older my tastes are changing but this movie was fantastic um i know it's based off of a true story and some of it's kind of kind of hokey to believe that all this stuff really happened but uh yeah from beginning to end again I'm enthralled you see you can you've witnessed the change from the minute they get to the house you witness the changes in all of the family and and the way like James Brolin was incredible the way he just totally became the other guy that you know the the guy that did the stuff in the past in that house and um Margot Kidder, or as Alex would say, Margot Kidder. <laughs> she she was beautiful in this movie, and the, was that 
a young uh, Mino Pelus that played the kid? Yeah. All right. So, yeah, I recognized him. Like, he always had that, that face no matter what age he was. Uh, the... The whole the whole movie was just really really spectacular, and I, got, I watched it off of the Blu-ray set from Screen Factory, so it looked it looked amazing too. The only thing that that was really bad was the the the, the monster in the window at the end. That that was kind of really shitty looking. You could tell that was kind of like green screened. And but the whole the whole movie as a whole was really really amazing, and not not so scary today. But I could see when it came out this movie being really scary, as a lot of people said it was, and and for a long time the the real Amityville house held that 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 scary thing to it because I mean we, how many movies have we had and 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 you see it in the news all the time back in the day and uh, fantastic movie. Um, I can't. I got the, the acting was impeccable. Rod Steiger was really great as the priest. And uh, seeing Don Stroud as a, as a priest too is kind of weird because he's always like a bully thug in most of the movies that he's in. So it was kind of cool to see him in a in a decent part. And even Murray Hamilton as the head priest, you could you kind of got that Mayor of Vaughn vibe off of him as he was kind of doing the same shit. <laughs> the only thing missing, I think, was a cigarette. <laughs> but yeah, overall, I really I really really enjoyed this movie. The the the, the, it, the the churches will stay open, okay? You know. Yeah, kind of, that's why you almost heard him say, like, <laughs> you know, do what you got to do, priest. But <laughs> yeah, we don't endorse really, we really, don't endorse really the devil like here. <laughs> oh my god, uh, Iris, what can you do, X girl? Oh gosh, okay, so this movie. <laughs> I enjoy this movie so much. I think this is one of the first movies that I went to the movie theater. Um, and I went to go see it by myself because um, I was always traveling with my cousins because I was the youngest. So therefore, I was always the, well, if you're going to go to the movie theater, take the kid with you. Uh, and that's how I got to see a lot of very cool movies at a very young age. But this was one that I did go see by myself because they were going to go watch some other stupid romantic caca movie. And I was like, uh, nope, I'm going to go see this one. Did you say caca movie? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Gizmo caca. <laughs> uh, so I sat in the I sat in there alone and I I so enjoyed this movie. I mean, I think it was one of probably one of the first experiences of where I actually was able to take in a movie and, and let it scare me, which was so much fun. And I think this is where my real true love for these movies started. Um, James Brolin and um, Margot Kidder in this are excellent. I mean, you can see the complete breakdown of James Brolin as he's feeding log after log after log into the fire. And Margot Kidder just completely out of her brains beyond kind of trying to figure out what the fuck is going on with everything. Um, I like to see how the church pretty much, and at the time, yes, the church did have this stance where, well, you know, the devil is kind of like an analogy. It's not for real. Um, so they were kind of getting this modernized twist to their canon and to their to their beliefs uh, where, you know, the devil and demons were 
well, you know, at the time, everybody thought, well, you know, it's a psychosis. There, there's no such thing. Um, of course, now they've changed their stance, but uh, yeah, um, I really enjoyed watching that. And this is one of those movies that I can come in at any point and I will sit down and watch it. I don't care what else is going on. I will sit down and watch the movie because I so enjoy this movie and I could watch it over and over and over again. And I mean, who doesn't love a marching band in the middle of the night? Um, And then it's also another book that I could read over and over. Like I listened to this book in a day. It's basically what I did. I listened to it during my work day. And I forgot all of the little intricacies that the book says that the movie didn't. Now, I also watched (laughs) the um, Danny Lutz uh, supposed my, you know, my Amityville horror, which I don't know. To me, this this other movie, if you ever get a chance, if you guys ever get a chance to see it, I I found it on YouTube. I don't know if Netflix has it or anything, but you can see where Danny, to me, it's kind of like a cash grab for Danny. Yeah. You know, yeah. because I, I never, uh, t- I never took the plunge. I always heard bad things about it. So no, it's, but, yeah, it's mo- 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 mostly him is what I heard is really bad. Well, there's, I, I was with him. I, 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 I remember I rented it the day it came out and I was fine. I could see him. If, if George really was that massive of an abuser, I could see maybe a little group delusion going on. But he said what he said one thing, and at that point, I'm like, you are such a liar. That he saw him move things with his mind. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. That <laughs> was exactly it. Because at that point, I'm like, you lie. Yeah, yeah. But you know, with the in the book, it says that George did you know that transcendental meditation and blah blah blah. Danny they says even that he had vaguely mentioned that in the movie too. Right, and then Danny here in this in his documentary is saying, yeah, you know, he was a wit, you know, he was into witchcraft and blah blah blah. And I think this is kind of like, um, because Elaine, uh, um, uh, Mrs. Warren. And anytime I I see Mrs. Warren now, I see see Vera Farmiga. I, I can't help it. Um, she basically said, you know, well, I can't blame it on a person. But I think this, with her saying that it was could have been a person that did this, I think that's what triggered something in Danny's mind. Because in the movie, you can see that they do know each other. And um, they did spend a lot of time with the kids. So I'm wondering if a lot of the... The mythos, I'm going to call it. The mythos of the house came from uh, the kids and the experience that they had in that house. Now, everybody's saying, well, you know, the Lutzes only made $10,000 off of this, so it's not a lot of money. It's not like they were... Well, I did a comparison of $10,000 back in 1976 to $10,000 now. That is $66,000 equivalent. So they did make some bucks off of that. Now, granted, it didn't pay for the $80,000 house that they got, which they walked away from, and they just let the bank have. 
and yes, they were having issues um, with his company because he was moving money around, and that's why the IRS was coming around going like, so yeah, your books don't kind of make sense to me. I need to kind of see what you're doing. Because he was moving money from, you know, his company account to his personal account and back and forth. Um, so, you know, a lot of people believe that this was a ploy to walk away from their debt. To me, and, and Jamie, I know you, you, you have experienced things. I have seen things and I have experienced things that make me believe the Lutzes. Maybe not to the extent that they are writing this up, because I've also uh, read and have heard where the Warrens were very much involved in the writing of um, Jay Anson's book. And um, they told him, you need to... Um, these are the keywords. Yeah, you need to make them... Yeah, these are the keywords you make to make... You, you need to make this little spookier and a little scarier you know we need demons we need this we need that um so um <laughs> the, the movie itself i really enjoy the mythos I, I i love the mythos of this house um seeing what it has done to this family also that is it it makes me sad because the brothers basically hate each other um the baby girl can't even talk about her time there because it freaks her out. Um, basically, Lutz and Ka uh, George and Kathy did divorce, so it, it, it really did a number on, on on them. But as for the movie, I'm sorry because I'm rambling on because I, <laughs> I love the mythos of this house. Um, as for a movie, I, I really really enjoy it. Like I said, I can sit down and watch this movie wherever, whenever. I don't care if I'm coming in, in the last five minutes where you know, blood instead of the green goo is coming all over the place. Um, I will sit and watch. But they see it. Cameron. Ah, gosh. I, again, ha having said that, I usually don't like these type of movies. I absolutely love this film. <laughs> 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 it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard not to. The, uh, the performances really sell it i don't I'll, I'll admit to being a little ignorant of the of the real life story and whatnot i had read up a little bit on it when i was younger but uh a lot of bong rips a lot of a lot of beers since then so i <laughs> i don't <laughs> I remember remember it all but the performances watching just brolin just slowly break down and just it's it's like watching oliver reed in, in, in the previous film you're just watching this guy slowly break. And I'm coming apart. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And Margot Kidder, or Margot Kidder just keeps just runs down the stairs like, what's wrong, honey? And he's like, didn't you hear me? I said I'm fucking coming apart. You know, but it, it's so good. And Rod Steiger is just amazing, amazingly intense in it. And uh, I, I do appreciate a little cameo, uh, James uh, Tolkien. Or token uh, from uh, the play Mr. Strickland in uh, Back to the Future play, uh, in his little cameo at the beginning. I always love seeing that guy. He's got kind of a restrained kind of role because he's usually a hard ass, but it, it was neat seeing him in it. But it's a, once again, it's a slow burn that really works. Is watching everything build up. I mean, the, the the scene where James Brolin is sharpening the axe 
and his buddy is just consistently talking to him and he's just like not really realizing that hey this dude's like just you know kind of eerily sharpening this axe looking like he's got, he wants to bury it in somebody's head there's only me here and he should be a little bit more concerned than he is but he isn't but there's also um i'm gonna go back to something you said gary earlier about there being some uh shining kind of uh points uh, uh with uh burnt offerings that there's a little bit of kind of some stuff that king maybe was influenced or borrowed from there's a little bit in this as, as well there's all the, the, the blood at the end that is very kubrick-esque and, and let's face it all the imagery with uh, james Brolin trying to you know chop the, the the family with with an axe and, and everything is very and he goes very jack torrance in the end you know i mean just going all very axe happy but uh, the only thing, the only thing that that, that that gets me is I always felt the ending was very abrupt. I always felt it was a little abrupt to it for its own good. So it just misses that mark of being perfect. The ending just kind of, I don't know. It was just very uh, anticlimactic. I mean, for the time, I guess it, it was, it, it was the way it was. But it's just a little bit too abrupt. And let, let's face it, it's got one of the all-time most squeamish moments I've ever ever seen when I was a kid. It was actually the reason why I stopped watching the film and didn't see it again probably till I was in my 20s is the scene where the son gets his hand caught in the window and they're in the, the blood and they're just trying to get it out and the family's freaking out trying to get out. That, that scene when I saw that at probably five or six years old freaked the shit out of me and I, I didn't watch the movie. I never finished watching it until I, probably a good 20 years later. So, I mean, it's it does its job. It, it's, it's good. It's, it's uh, an all-time classic and and let's face it, uh, Margot Kidder was never better. I know she had just came off of doing, uh, I think Superman was what, just the year previous? It was, uh, or two years previous? Yeah, but, 70, 78 Superman, so yeah, year, year previous. Yeah, and, but um, she was never better. She was she was just cute as a button and just hit all the right notes. I, I, I loved her. I, I met her at a couple of conventions uh, some years ago, so I always had a fondness for her. So, uh, yeah, and, and I mean, from the opening moment when you see the American International uh, logo come up, I, I, that that's all it takes for me. I'm nostalgic for those AI flicks. So, uh, yeah, it's got me from frame one. Cool. Jamie. <laughs> oh, I just this whole damn show has just made me so happy. But this. Oh, my God. This movie. Uh, no one has mentioned the score by. Lalo Schifrin. Okay, I know I talk a lot about score. I it, they mean a lot to me. Uh, music in a movie can sometimes just make or break it. And this score is so haunting. It just it just is the moment that I hear it, the flames on the side of my face. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Iris. For- <laughs> Excellent, excellent. I just realized when I was oh. talking, I realized what I sounded like. And I, <laughs> I was I was chewing, but yeah, I got it too, yeah. Okay, totally. Yay. Um we pick up and throw it down. Okay. <laughs> uh but this it oh, it's just the little kid noises are creepy anyway, but it just is um it's right up there. Right up there with one of my all time favorites. It uh, score wise. It's perfect. Perfect. The look of the house, I love it. The um, the the little red windows, 
love them. I love James Brolin. Now, he does suffer a little bit from Jack Nicholson syndrome in this film because personally, I find James James Brolin to be a little bit terrifying. Just anyway, <laughs> like he's just one of those guys I would just he's on the list of guys I would never want to piss off. Um, and so his turn to me is not quite the, as as um, it's not quite as like Jack Nicholson in The Shining. But it's to I do. That's the one thing, the sole only thing I like about the remake is that I feel like Ryan Reynolds, when he when he transforms, when, you know, he gets the house, gets a hold of him, you can see his decline a, a little bit more slowly, a little bit more evenly. But this one, to me, like I said, James Brolin kind of freaks me out anyway. So like it's I when he starts getting angry, I just feel like that's always him. But I do love how they go for the visual with him. You see he's uh, in the book. It's described as, you know, you know, he's like he just flat out stopped bathing, you know, and he came down with uh, like the flu and he just he smelled bad and he was wearing the same clothes just day in, day out. And he was constantly stoking the fire. So it was like 80 degrees all the time in the house and he's right up against it. So you can imagine he's all sweaty and fevery and I'm just like, Bleh. Um, so I think that visually they pull that off really well, you know, because his hair starts to look like nasty and stringy. He's like he, under his eyes. He has bags under his eyes. It looks like a jerry curl that you didn't take care of. Okay. It yeah, turns exactly to- <laughs> it does. That kind of does. To get some activate up in there, James Rowling. Come on now, you know, I will say that when I watched it more recently that it, I did notice he wasn't, he, he did have a little bit more of a turn, but always when I was growing up, I just, he always scared me from the very beginning. Now, I also saw this uh, in the theater, and uh, that was a wonderful experience. For me. <laughs> and I loved every second of that. I was very, very young, and I remember that very well. But I remember being so terrified at the end for the dog, and I just was screaming, get the dog, get the dog, get the dog. And still today when I watch it, I'm like, get the dog, get the dog. Like, how can you leave without the dog? And then he does, and he goes back, and that's wonderful. That makes me so happy. Um, incidentally, a little note about, also about the original, I mean, about the remake, because in the remake, he kills the dog. Now, accidentally, he, you know, it's he's having, he's having a vision, and he kills the dog thinking it's something else. But that pissed off George Lutz beyond belief. Because oh he, yeah. he's he, like, I would never kill my dog. <laughs> right, and I think it was like they even had a. a uh, they, they took him to court about that whole thing. He was pissed, <laughs> like yeah. pissed. And you know what? Honestly, I probably would be too. Do not portray me as a pet killer. But um, I mean, I, I can kill my family, but I will not kill. Yeah, my don't, 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 don't accuse me of killing my animals. I uh, I also love the book, the the Jay Anson book. That um, the first time I read that was uh, I was in college. And I was, I couldn't sleep. So I went out into the lobby, like the common area of the dorm to read so I wouldn't disturb my roommate. And I was, and it was about three o'clock in the morning. It was like really late. And I was just sitting in there all by myself reading this book. Was it 315? 
And you know, no, I'm not going to say it was because I can't swear to it, but it was, it was super late, but it would be great if it was. I will tell you though, that when I went, this is, you know, an, an, totally an aside, but when I watched the, uh, one time I was watching the exorcism of Emily Rose and the, it ended, the credits started to roll at exactly three o'clock and then the power went out. <laughs> so there's that. But anyway, it was super late and I was reading that book and it got to the part where um, he goes down and the, the lion, the little lion statue yeah, yeah, like, yeah. attacked him. Scared the shit out of me. I had to go back to the dorm room. <laughs> like, but I was running down the hall to get back to the dorm room. It just it had a great effect. Um, I also love the, the the documentary, the my my Amityville horror, even though yeah, boys it's get hard issues. It's to watch with Danny. You know, it really it, it, is. It's tragic, is what it is. I mean, to me, maybe, it, maybe that's what it is. Feel really bad. I felt really bad for him, but. I have, um, and our house is kind of interesting. I love stuff to do with the Warrens because I find it fascinating. Brian hates the Warrens. He, what? I do too. He hates no, them. No, no. Anytime they come up, he's just like, Arr! you know, um, just well, because fraud. That he's like, you know, fucking charlatans. And, but, you know, <laughs> I, I think it's, I think it's fascinating the, what they did, how well, well known they became, the fact that they had their fingers in just about every famous case you can think of, every, um, even even out in England. Yeah, they were everywhere, you know? and hell, but even they, until recently, Lorraine was she was trucking around with the paranormal state guys. She was with, I mean, she was doing like ghost hunter shows on TV, so just popping in and out of everywhere. She would just pop up all, and I used to love, uh, like, I used to love Paranormal State and um, Ghost Bros, uh, or Ghost Encounters, but the, we always called it Ghost Bros. And, but she would pop into Paranormal State all the time, and it was like, ah, there you are. Um, but yeah, she was all over the place. She had, they had their fingers in everything. I thought it was fascinating. I did. I just, I love hearing their stories. I love anything to do with them and whether or not they're true. I don't care. I, um, I just have such uh, a love for stories about the supernatural and the paranormal that it, I, I really don't care if they're completely accurate or not, or stretched beyond belief. I just am fascinated hearing by it, hearing about it. You know, they were even involved with the Smurls, uh, which the movie The Haunted was based on, which is another one of my favorite haunted house movies. So, yeah, they were everywhere. So I just, I, I love it. I love the story behind it. I love the the lore. But I went through a couple years ago, I went down this rabbit hole. And it's actually pretty interesting if if the, the real-life DeFeo uh, murders interest you at all. But... I went down this whole rabbit hole on the internet where people were just basically they were talking to people who's who were affected by what he did, whether it be like his extended family members or friends of the family or whatever, and you know their reactions to his claims. 
and how his claims have changed over the years. But like some people think that he, his claims have changed because he was lying. Some people think his claims have changed because he realized no one was believing him, even though he, he was telling the, or, you know, in his mind, he was telling the truth, but he didn't, no one believed him. So he changed his story. I mean, it's just, there's all kinds of interesting stuff. So if this stuff is piques your interest at all, then there is a wealth of information that you can dig into, whether it be books or, or just following message boards on on the internet, which is just fascinating. But anyway, the movie. <laughs> um, you know, one of the things I love about this movie, and it it is so minuscule. That guy who comes to the door with a six pack of beer and asks if. Uh, he just knocks on the door and Margot Kidder goes and answers the door and there's a dude standing there with a six pack of beer. And he's like, hey, you know, some of the neighbors, we wanted to get together and welcome you to the neighborhood. And then she turns around to answer the phone and then she turns back and he's gone. That is so bizarre. And it's just a little thing. But it was in the book. And I, I remember the first time I read the book, I was like, oh, thank God, maybe they'll actually tell me more information about this guy that just shows up randomly in the movie doesn't really do anything he just looks creepy yeah no um i mean like it's mentioned but it's mentioned exactly how it's put in the book in the movie and i'm like damn it like the one time i really need a question answered or want some more information and the book has nothing for me but i just like that moment though because what what is that like, I mean, does, does anybody have any theories on that? Was that the house? Was that an actual neighbor that just happened to be creepy? Was, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what the movie was trying to say. Or maybe they just took it from the book. And yeah, it, could have just been, it, it could have just been a manifestation as well. Yeah, I just think it's creepy. But the stuff, if you read the book, to me, it's the, the stuff that really gets me is the stuff that the priest says that happened oh to him. God. I, man, could do so. And it's stuff that they didn't know about that, you know, these stories didn't cross until the book was being written. And a lot of this stuff aligns time wise. Like, I don't know. I, I, I think I'm honestly, Iris, I'm with you on this. I, I tend to believe that something is happening, maybe not to the extent that they're claiming because yes, we know that the Warrens got involved and decided to sensationalize it a little bit or, or a lot. I don't know, but I just, I feel like I have seen things happen and I, a part of me is just like, I can't completely deny it because I know it, you know, like I, I just, I know the only thing that keeps me wondering is that ever since then, no one who's lived in that house has ever said that they had any issues. I mean, everyone who's lived in it since has said exactly the opposite, that they're, that everything has been completely peaceful and normal. Now, that could be that they don't want to cause – like they don't want any attention, you know, because they've also been very strict about having their privacy and keeping people off their property. But uh, – I don't know. I mean, that's just, it's, it's kind of weird. It just seems like, so this family's affected and then the next family's affected and then nothing, you know? So uh, I, I have, know. I have your answer. Oh, they, what's that? they fixed the plumbing. Okay. Uh, they that, shit, that shit was fucked up. Okay. They filled in the well. Yes. <laughs> well there you go. Well, the same thing happened with the, the, the parent family and, and that house. I mean, the lady, the, the lady that lives there now says nothing's happened here, but yet, you know, the parents are saying that, 
you know, all of that stuff that was happening to them, you know, and then we get this beautiful movie of The Conjuring, which to, to me, <clears throat> I'm sorry, it, it's kind of like a, a scary Lifetime movie, but I still enjoy it. <laughs> There's also a book about that written by yes. one of the daughters. Oh, my There's God. three parts of that. It's, so, it, it's three books. Yeah, I know. I've only got it, the it first written, one. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's true, it's but they kept putting progressive... Have okay, you gone what? through that? Because it is just uh, the writing in it and, and the punctuation, it just irritates me. I, I, oh, no, I, can't, uh, I couldn't finish it yet. That's why I only have the first one, because I was unable to finish it, because um, it just it's was like, dragging. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's like eyeball road bumps with all of the poor grammar and these yes. like little snippets of poetry that are just mind-bogglingly terrible. Yeah, it's bad. I... um. I started reading it to Brian uh, when I first, it was shortly after I moved up here, I got the book or maybe right before I moved up here. But anyway, I started reading it to him. So that was, that's five years ago. And, and I still haven't finished it because it just, it's really, it's really long. And I don't feel like it needs to be that long. I think the writing is just bad. But and especially for part one. Yeah. And that's oh, a shame because I want to, I want to, no, I, mean, I was really excited to get that book because I want to know more, you know, from a, from a family member point of view, but I can't get into it enough to even get what, to get what she's, you know, has to say, because I had to not finish it. I think I got about halfway through that one, but did you see the documentary? No. Is there a documentary based on the books? Yeah. Or is it a totally House of Dar- no, it's uh it's called house of darkness, house of light. And it's, uh, the daughter and by the end of the documentary you want to punch her in the face because she's fucking irritating oh yeah. but it's still it's really entertaining though is it uh like a cliff notes to the like if i watch that do i have to can i get out of reading the books well it, she tells you what's in part two and part three but i mean if you're interested in the subject it's well worth a watch like i said it's called house of darkness house of light okay and there is a couple of podcasts um, where the the main uh, kid, uh, the paranormal investigator, the one that's there with the Warrens, uh, he also has a couple of podcasts that he's been on where he really goes into detail and says, you know, some of these things did happen, and it's kind of confusing uh, what the book says because some of those things didn't happen. So, um, Zappas. Uh, no, not not John Saffis. It was another kid. Uh, the one that um, they approach at the um, at the university before they they talk to the Warrens. I think his name is George or something. Okay. Well, anyway, I'll I'll send you guys a link if if you're interested because it, it was really interesting to to listen to him basically tell the story from his perspective and how he sat with the kids and stuff and how it's shown in the movie, but, and also, but not like it was in the book. It's just really cool. If, if you're interested in, in that stuff. Yeah, please. Yeah. Hell yeah. All right. Then I'll go, I'll go searching for it. And then the three of us start a podcast about paranormal shit. Right. <laughs> paranormal shit. Exactly. <laughs> and Suzanne's turn. Okay. Well, I grew up in New York. This is like folklore. This was for years, even well into the early 80s, everything, Amityville, any little 
almost every publication at some point, at least once a month, there was some little blurb about the Lutzes and Amityville. And because I also read the one that the uh, DeFeo's lawyer wrote called a shit. I think it was like High Hopes or something. I can't remember the name of it. But he says that they concocted the entire story basically to try to get DeFeo off. So I don't know. He's, he's, as my grandmother would call him, uh, your standard New York shyster lawyer. So he could probably be as full of shit as everybody else. And just one more thing on one of the God, there's so many documentaries about Amityville, but there's one that I saw maybe two or three years ago where this medium was talking to, to Ronald and she believed him about where he said he threw, he broke the gun and threw it in the river. So she had divers down there and they found like a gun part that could possibly have matched it. But his story has changed so much over the years. I, I'm sure I'm not going to go into all of his stories, you know, the mafia hit because his dad was connected and we're not even going to go there. But anyway, let's actually talk about the movie. I watched this with my mom for the first time when I was probably way the hell too young. And this movie gave me nightmares. I had to sneak out, grab the flashlight that my dad kept in the den, and I kept that under my under my pillow. And then I got a little older, and then I read the book. And this book is an easy read. I can blow through this book in two hours, which I oh, did the yeah. other day. Easily. It, it's, 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 it's so fast to read mm-hmm. because it's just day-to-day. And what I absolutely love about That's what this I call movie. a no-bookmark book. Like, you don't... Yeah. I don't even bother searching for a bookmark when I go to read this book because I'm not going to need it. <laughs> no, no, it is. You can do it one sitting. You're oh. fine. And shit. <laughs> oh, God, I derailed. <laughs> anyway, this it's just the thing I love about it is there are very few scenes where you actually see anything. It's the music and the setup, I mean, you see the rocking chair, you see red eyes, you see Guck coming out of the toilet, you see Margot Kidder sniffing the air because she's smelled perfume. And you get everyone's various reactions and the movie plays so hard on your head because you think your brain is telling that you're seeing things that are not actually there. And this movie is still scary as hell. I still love it. I still watch it a lot. I've fallen into that rabbit hole, but I've been in that rabbit hole for years. I've got so many books on the top, it's not even funny. And some of the more horrible sequels of the the books, which are, God, just downright, just pulp trash. Totally worth reading, though. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't everything totally worth reading when it comes to this stuff? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If, if you ever find Amityville, the evil escapes. Don't make oh, any plans. No, it's I can't remember. It was just it was early 80s. I saw it at the grocery store. My mom was grocery shopping. I held it up. She looked at it. It's like, OK, yeah, you can have a book. This is how old I was. <laughs> I love your mom. <laughs> oh, my mother was awesome. <laughs> but this is just one of those movies. It's I. I can't, I don't even think I could put a number on how many times I've watched it. 
it's just it's scary it's still a scary movie I it's up there. My favorite ghost movie is The Changeling. That one still that I still can't watch that movie after dark, or at least I'm uncomfortable watching it after dark. I got the full blown special edition just because I wanted the ball, which I have to hide from my dog now. Yeah, this is just this is classic. There's so many avenues, and it's great that we all watch my Amityville horror, and it's. It's just interesting. It really is. And it's really sad that it is a story about the breakdown of a family. But yeah, I'll keep my my remarks short on this one. But yeah, it's just it's a just great movie. Fun, scary, you can't go wrong. Okay. Yeah, a lot of folks have said a lot of things, and I'm gonna address the elephant in the room. Um we go from pigtailed Marco Kidder to some of the best side we've ever seen in a movie before. It's just uh, looking sultry in this movie, and that that's something I'm not used to from this actress, and that's uh, made me happy uh, in lots of places. And uh, it's uh, <laughs> that was nice, but all in all, great performances all around. Um, Rod, Rod Steiger with the, with the flies, uh, making anguish slash o faces while he's getting attacked by these flies, and yeah, it, it, it was uh, it was an impressive scene. And, I love that, you know, and I forgot about this film this way, that it pretty much kicks off right away. Like, it's right when they're going to go look at the house. The real estate ladies get your papers together. You can see the wind blowing inside the houses, but yeah. there's no there's no windows open. So she knows something's up, and she's getting the fuck out of there. <laughs> she's like, oh, sucker brother event. Bought this house. Yes, good job. And, uh, yeah, that's good. Uh, did you mention Don Stroud showed because a priest? That's uh, that's always fun when he shows up and things. Um, uh, Jamie uh, is a microfilm and uh, microfiche enthusiast uh, that's used in this movie. So oh that. yes, <laughs> oh you can always make me happy with the microfiche. I had to bring it up because you know <laughs> I haven't discussed the microfiche in a while, and it, uh, it happens in this movie when she's getting to the exposition dump about the murders in the house. And yeah, that's all well and good. And uh, James Brolin, of course, old, old on um, so many great scenes of him. The scene that the camera mentioned, where he sh- he's sharpening the axe while his his employee is talking to him about signing payroll checks. And, oh, and by yeah. the way, yeah, <laughs> th- this guy said his check bounced the caterer because he had the scene with the caterer, which is very uncomfortable too. He just looking at him while he shot his axe like you can nag me one more time motherfucker about something else I'm gonna hit you in the head with this fucking thing you know yeah right hey, you think uh, he was offering him a chocolate bar or something yeah oh god yeah. <laughs> hey, here you go Vic this is you to put it right over here Yeah, <laughs> top three favorite Friday films love them yeah. um, don't tell the girls yes <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh! Yeah, this this is this is good all around. There's a reason why it's a bona fide classic. I love uh, I love the original sequels. I I I think that some of the other sequels, uh, the the I guess the unofficial sequels, are very watchable too. Because I I grew up on with them on VHS in the '90s, so much more than this film. I grew up with the the the, the shitty grandfather clock one it's and the dollhouse time. one. You know, it's it's. I know they're not good, but this is this is what I watched in the eighties, in the nineties, and they, they 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 popped up at video stores all over the place. 
and they didn't always have the original ones at, at, at every video store I went to, so they weren't ex- as accessible to me as those subpar Amityville movies are. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, the, 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 um, I don't know what the symbolism of it was, what the black goo was, but the plumbing was kind of fucked up. Uh, I love the climax with the dog. The dog, uh, sensing that, that that Papa was still evil, so he was kind of snarling and biting him, but then immediately realizes that he's good now. He pulls him out of the muck. I like that. And But like Cameron said, I, I agree with the ending being sort of anticlimactic. And it happens where they, they escape and they have the exposition <coughs> dump of uh, the, the Lutzes abandoned their house and yada, 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 yada. It just happens yeah, so fast. You know. Belongings. It's just like what? Yeah. I mean, once he once he he jam, he jams that axe into the floor and he realizes what he's doing. You know, he just kind of goes from there and says, "Here's the end of the movie." You know, as as great as it is, it's great. And I'm not not bitching, but the ending, the ending just seemed very rushed. And I'm, I'm with Cameron on that one. It probably gonna take off point or two for me, but I'm, that's a uh, that's just me. And I, I don't know how you guys feel about that, but I'm with Cameron on that one. And um. Lots of stuff's been said so far, so I'm going to kick it to, go right down the lighter, Cameron. Anything else? What do you give it 1 to 10? Oh, gosh, I can't really add anything else other than really past uh, the, the second one. I was not a, a fan. I, I like the third one a little bit. Uh, once it gets into some of those other ones about the clock and, and the, the other sequels, um, they were just not good. They really should have stopped. They should have made it just a trilogy and just left it, that's my opinion. But, you know, the sequels don't uh, really dictate how much I love the first one. The first one, uh, really the only thing that takes it down a point for me is, is that little abrupt of an ending. Otherwise, I give it a 9 out of 10. It's a solid flick. There's really very, very little to uh, to complain about here. It, it's It's stellar. <laughs> And, you know, points go for definitely Margot Kidder and James Brolin. They had a great, amazing chemistry together. And, you know, James Brolin is the man, and Margot Kidder is just adorable. And it's stellar flick. Cool. Suzanne? I I just love this movie. It's, it's, God, it's so hard to even slap a rating on it. It's like the, the two movies are like exercises in, it's like they're, it's in your face, but it's just, all of the nuances, it's its so subtle the way things happen and you don't see things. It's just all of a sudden there's a change. So, yeah, I'm pretty much I'm, I'm going to stick with the nine. I love this movie so very, very much. Cool. Jamie. Oh, man, I got to go higher. It is so this movie is so important to me. I, uh, um, first of all, I would like to say, however, I am really pleased that everyone was so positive because I have, it has surprised me the amount of just nastiness this movie has received on the internet. And well, pretty much since I have been heavily on the internet, I've noticed and I'm, and I was always shocked by it. Everyone's like, it's so boring. And I was incredibly shocked because I seriously, grew up under the impression that this was a classic and everyone loved it as much as I did. Like I was just horrified to find out that there are people who don't love this film like I do. Um, yeah. Um, and then ever, there are so many people who prefer the remake and I just, Ugh. it is Ugh. no, 
I, I can like just, both. I, no. I don't like them both equally, but I can like them both. No, we just watched that again because, unfortunately, we're in the A's, and it is part of the Amityville collection that I have. It came that way. I have never actually purposely bought that film, but it is in the box set, and so we watched it. And I keep I have given that movie several tries. I have, and it starts out great. Their relationship in the beginning, I think, is is phenomenal. Watching Ryan Reynolds go a little bit crazier, that's fine. Like I, he does a really good job. You know, I that's not my issue with it. My issue with it is that they don't understand subtlety. You know, that's and to me, a good ghost story or haunted house film requires subtlety. And this, <laughs> the the remake is just beating you over the head with it. And I don't think I think that just completely negates the scary. Who's you know. the female lead in that movie again? Uh, 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 oh, what's her What's name? Uh, George? Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. And I think yeah. she did a great job, too. Plus, a very tiny Chloe Grace Moretz plays their little daughter. Well, that's right. She was in that, wasn't yeah, she? Yeah, little bitty thing, you know, and uh, she was so cute. So it's um, – there. Is, the cast is not the problem. Like, you know, I don't have a problem with the cast. It, it's just the – uh, um, it just, yeah, it's, I just don't like it. But anyway, <laughs> a lot of people prefer that one because they feel like it has more action. They feel like it has more blood, which, okay, how much blood do you need in your haunted house movie? But I just don't understand it. I don't get it. So I'm very, very, very happy that everyone here was so positive. That makes me dead. I'm just, I'm just laughing. He used the phrase little bitty thing. Made so. me. <laughs> she was a little bitty thing. That was, um, Anyway, that just made me smile. So, for my rating for this film, I honestly have got to give it a just a straight up ten. I there is to me nothing wrong with it, and that's I'm I'm sure I'm biased that because there I'm sure there are some flaws, and probably the ending, like you mentioned, it is a little abrupt. But for whatever reason, I don't care. I just love it. So, there you go. Cool, Iris. Um, I'm going to have to side with Jamie. I'm sorry. Like I said, this is one of the movies that I think really impacted my love for this genre, uh, mainly because I was sitting as a, as a, let's see, was a, a 10-year-old in a dark theater watching this, and uh, man, just, like I said, I can sit and watch this movie whenever. I don't care. So yeah, it's going to be a 10. Yeah, I actually told Brian that I could watch this movie, watch this movie, and then if somebody were to walk in and say, oh, man, I've never seen it, and I'll, no. I would say, well, then we're going to watch it again. Come here. Like, sit next to me. We're going to watch this right now. <laughs> I have no problem with that. Oh, she feels the way I feel about Howard the Duck, see? Come on now. <laughs> uh... Oh, my gosh. Who's next? Iris. Oh, she got Iris already. Nudie, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to give this one a 9 out of 10. I enjoyed it a little bit more than I did Burn Offerings. Um, I think it might have been because I really didn't see the whole thing before. So everything was kind of fresh and new to me, at least. And uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I don't think I could watch it back to back like Jamie just said. But I will definitely check this out more often than I have in the past for sure. Um it might actually make it like a once a year, maybe two time a year watch. Just throw it in there and get in, get engrossed in it. Again, you know, like everybody else has said, the 
the acting in this movie is impeccable. I, I, to watch the decline of of, of Brolin like that, it's just it's an amazing, amazing job. And a nine out of ten for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm with Nudie. <clears throat> that nine out of ten is it seems like the right rating for this one. Again, just for that ending. The ending is uh, what took the point off, and it's not even not even not even a big thing. It's just a small thing. It's a nitpicky thing. I'm one of those people that you know if I'm, if I'm into. And it's not this movie. I've watched movies before where they've been, you know, decent to subpar movie. But if your ending shits the bed, I th- I hate your fucking movie. But that's not this movie at all. I just this movie's good, ninety percent of the way through. It's really good, and I re- I really uh I really dig it still. And it, there's a reason why it's a Stone Cold classic. Uh, and everybody should see it. And if you're a horror fan, if you're a suspense fan, and because there's nothing gory about it, really. It's just a lot of, like, you know, the, the breaking down of, of, of one Mr. Lutz and the mental breakdown of him and what he turns into. And it's a, it's a great story. I mentioned to my sister that she should watch Burn Offerings. I wasn't going to give away anything big because I thought she would enjoy that, too, because she's not big on the blood either. But the suspense is all over both of these movies, and they're both a pretty good time. So 9 out of 10. Uh... That is it. Whew, long time, guys, but good times. I really, right back to, Rick, real sorry. quick, Go ahead. I forgot to mention <laughs> Jamie Jenkins again. Um, I didn't hate The Awakening, the one with Bella Thorne and McKenna Grace that came out in 2017 or 18. Mm-hmm. Um, so if anybody out there is in, it does love the. Amityville stories like I did I didn't hate that one I, I think it was actually a pretty decent try to try to bring it back around because in that film it acknowledges the the original film which I think is cool and um, is that the one that Google gave away for free I don't know maybe because I, I, I it has Jennifer Jason look. Lee in it too. I'll have to look, but a, a couple of years ago, Google was pretty much giving everybody a free download of it if they wanted it. So I grabbed it and just haven't watched it. Oh, I don't know. Um, but I like. I didn't. I didn't hate it. I think it was a pretty decent. Tra- now it's a Blumhouse film, and um, they're very teeny at times. But I, I kind of like what they what they tried to do and I think it was cool just the fact that they acknowledged that there was the original film and I want to say they even made a comment that sh- that was like shitting on the remake which that's fun too so <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you are if you have a weak spot for the Amityville films and stories then I'd say just uh, give it a give it a shot cool cool now this is the end of the other review. I promise. Maybe I don't know. I haven't decided yet. But uh, either way, uh, there will be no sloppy second segment this show. But maybe next show, me quarter working it out. But right after this, we're going to come back and close out the show. If you enjoyed this show, then make sure you check out the other great shows on the Legion Podcast Network, like Cinema Psyops, Cinema Beef, Devour the Podcasts. Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Ming Power Hour, Hello, This is the Doom Show, Hero Hero Ghost Show, Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Metal Health, 
obsessive cinema discourse pick six movies the podcast by the cemetery the podcast on haunted hill the psycho semantic podcast rick radio house of wax dude looks like the 80s rabbit and red radio the shade cast short bus cinema two drink minimum commentaries the vd clinic who will survive horror podcast and which versus the doomsday clock with such a widespread of shows there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with horror politics movies books sex music commentaries health video games kaiju action news comedy and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world we are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world check us out at www.legionpodcast.com itunes spotify stitcher youtube and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found all right folks that was a Bit of a long show, and I uh, I enjoyed myself. I'm sure I'll, I can speak for the whole cast and say they enjoyed themselves too. We have lots of stuff to pimp right now. I'm gonna kick it to Cameron. Uh, he's a filmmaker. I'm sure he has some stuff that he could discuss. Uh, we should be looking for in the near future. Oh gosh, well I don't know what the future is for uh, independent filmmaking here at the moment. Uh, I do have a film I've been working on uh, for a little over a year now. We shot some scenes last June, and we were actually shot some scenes in uh, February. It was, it's called Death Care, but uh, because of this COVID fucking 19 uh, coronavirus thing, we had to cancel our March shoot, which was last weekend, and we're thus canceling the main shoot, which we were going to shoot the bulk of it in June, but who knows what that's, what's going to happen with that. I mean, it's just being postponed. It's going to be a little while before we can start getting people to the point where they, where they can fly again and they can come out for a film and we can actually get more than 10 people together at one time. But, uh, you can find it at H M and M films, uh, or death care movie at Facebook, uh, or you can look at my production page, Quattro Vente Scott productions. I'm also all over Facebook and Twitter. Uh, Got a, got a couple other films that I'm supposed to be acting in later on this year, one in uh, October and one in September. They're, one just ran a successful Indiegogo called Parallels, which I, I kind of – for the first time in my life, I'm playing an acting role where I'm not playing a crazy redneck that kills, rapes, murders, or beats people up. So I'm hey, actually looking forward to that. Progress. Yeah. yeah, I'm actually, I'm, I'm actually playing a, a – don't tell anybody, but I'm playing the good guy for once. I'm not playing the bad guy, which I don't want to do too much because there's it's a fun role. I'm not saying it's not a fun role, but the fun roles are always the bad guys. Yeah, but uh, yeah, you pillage and kill and shit. Yeah, but uh, I got parallels right now. I got another film that I'm going to be acting in that I'm uh, co-producing as, as well. Uh, called Cruel Summer, got another one uh, that's running an Indiegogo right now that a friend of mine, Rebecca Reinhardt, is uh, producing, writing, and directing called The Embalmers, which and I play another creepy redneck that maims, kills, rapes, tortures, and beats people up. So back to back to my roots. But uh, other than that, I got a million and one writing projects. Uh, you'd have to make another two-hour show for me to tell you all about, but <laughs> keep, keep him busy with the uh, with the with the quarantine, I got more than enough to keep me busy between editing, writing, producing. You know, we're we're not shooting anything in the foreseeable future, but gives us plenty of time to plot and plan. Cool, nudie. Oh, NFW podcast is the baby one. It's been on for a few years now. Uh, Alex Edwards and I are doing Hard to Kill, which is an action commentary type show. 
And I also have It's Not Horror Okay, where we do pretty much anything other than horror movies, even though we might throw a horror movie in there. We haven't done it yet, so we're kind of sticking to it. But just the unwritten rules, somebody might pick a horror somewhere down the line. Uh, that's pretty much it. You know, guess, guess spotting here and there. But, yeah, it's pretty much the three main shows. So on the Horrorphilia Network. So give us a listen if you haven't yet. Cool. Iris, anything happening, girl? Um, actually, um, this is me podcasting <laughs> right now. Um, uh, EFC, we decided to uh, kind of just uh, we just quit. <laughs> so we decided to do. I mean, it was it was a lot of work for for Mike to do a lot of editing since he had actually another um, podcast that was actually making him money. <laughs> So um, it was just a lot of work. It was a lot of, of time spent also for us. And so, yeah. So anybody want a podcast? <laughs> hey. What did I just say? say? I was, I was, hey, I was talking. if you're serious about that, Jamie, let's go. I, I posted earlier about anybody want to do Fritz the Cat on Friday night? I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm available. You know, it's a... Uh... We'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> I may just watch Chris the Cat. Well, Could you know, be coming boxing, soon. I love all those boxing movies. You know, yeah, I've, I've been, seen I've been every te- single one. I've been teasing the boxy joints for a while, so we'll see what happens. You know. All right. Don't um, be surprised if I show up tomorrow. Yay! Always welcome, Suzanne. Uh, same old stuff. You know where to find me. Ah, Jamie. <laughs> Yeah, God, I love that. Well, I Suzanne love, took I, my answer. I love but, uh, Suzanne so much. You hear, that? you hear the grumbly of Suzanne? I love the grumbles, okay? It's a beautiful thing. Oh, um, no, I've, I've been up since 4 o'clock this morning, and I fell asleep at 2. I'm, I'm starting to feel a little tired. I know. A little punchy. I know. I know. <laughs> um, just hang in there, sis. It's almost over. I, <laughs> I know. Now we just have to go through my catalog. Um which really isn't all that it's it's not that big right now. I do Married with Children, which drops every Wednesday. And then we still have that X episode that's supposed to be coming out for ABCs of Hidden Horror. I'm I swear to God I'm working on it. I I actually worked on it just the other day and now that I have some downtime with uh fewer work hours, I hope to be getting some of the collection out and um then you know, getting at least through the alphabet for ABCs and I'm on this show called cinema beef. Yeah. Where we, <laughs> I think that's pretty much what I'm doing right now. I, I, if I have, I don't think I've forgotten anything. If, if uh, I just did a guest spot on cut to the chase, which I've actually been popping on that show quite a bit lately and just did Brian and I did uh, leprechaun three with them. And that's, that episode should be coming out soon, so check that out when you do. It was a pretty fun show. Oh, and then if you are looking for something to read during the quarantine, might I recommend Summer of Lovecraft, which was edited by Brian Sammons. I feel like I know him. And uh, who's that and guy? I don't know who that is. You know. Lynn Owen Barris. And they put together they always put together the most amazing anthologies. And um I am not at all biased because I have a story in this one. <laughs> and it's so. good. It's good. Now, seriously, consume this book because it is 
it is uh, the first story i was like oh my god this is prophetic but yes good book yeah, I, it's a, it really is an excellent. I love all of their anthologies because they do really cool themed anthologies. And this is, it's called Summer of Lovecraft, and it's um, basically mythos stories uh, or Lovecraftian stories th- from the or that take place during the sixties. So you have stories about cults. You have stories about um, minds about reproductive rights. You have stories about. Uh, just, well, anything you can think of that was 60s, hippies, Vietnam, you know, whatever. Um, there's an, oh, Brian did an MK Ultra story, which is really good. So, yeah, if you like Lovecraft or Lovecraftian things and you're looking for something to read during the lockdown, I highly recommend you check it out. You can find it at Dark Regions Press or at Amazon. And it's also available in ebook format as well as paperback. And I'm done now. There's my Lots. shilling. I'm done. Okay. Lots, lots of formats, y'all. And know. thank you, Iris, for that. That was very kind of you to say. Get get that summer Lovecraft up in you. It's good stuff, you know. Um, yeah, uh, th- this show, the two drink venom commentaries, and everything else I do, pretty much, except for my 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 spot on NFW, which is uh, I make it pretty much almost every time. Uh, can be found on LegionPodcast dot com. Um, Fleas and flicks. Uh, one other thing that's been affected by the coronavirus, I I uh, can't really go, you know, order some stuff for 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 more. I was gonna get a couple more items, but uh, this kind of fucked us in in that in that sense. So I'm I'm still waiting for one or two more things to come back, and I'll hopefully announce that, and uh, hopefully get this going on by before summertime for you guys to to bid on some items. Um, futzing around, y'all. Uh, Twitter at GW, Twitter at Beefy Beard. No, no, that's that's Instagram. Instagram's at Beefy Beard. Go go follow me there. Um, Letterboxd, I guess that's there too. Um, I don't play around too much with that. I'm terrible with that. But um, next episode, I can say with with, with uh, confidence. I don't know who who's all gonna make it. You know, it could be some flash floods or some of us. Our heads can crack open and bleed out. I don't know. But so far, we got a full full. Uh, Full run of uh, the beef ladies and myself, and uh, one special guest, John Cross, where we're gonna do uh, hospital horror. We're gonna do X-ray and visiting hours together. So uh, get ready for that. Um, just um, yeah, I can actually announce that here, which is a uh, kind of awesome. But uh, this has been your Sin Beef Podcast, where if you've got beef, we've got the grinder. See you next time.